Hey, when does the show start? Hey, wait a minute. <gasps> First, let's hear from our sponsors. Oh, okay. In just a minute. New year, new problems, possibly, unless you got Mad Dog Manny Aurora, the man, the myth, the legend. Aurora Law Firm, specializing in criminal law, pops by the BS twice a month if you have any questions for him. You can always leave it either on our social media. You can shoot us an email by going to our website, podcastthebs.com, or you can call our hotline and leave it there, 404-369-3825. Even possibly set up a one-on-one with you and Mad Dog Manny on the show. He's handled litigation in 19 states, represented many clients, including professional athletes, law enforcement agents, lawyers, and politicians, top 100 national trial lawyers he is the man mad dog manny aurora the aurora law firm.com the aurora law firm.com the a-r-o-r-a law firm.com did you know in 2022 19.86 percent of adults experienced a mental illness issue that's equivalent to nearly 50 million americans just under five percent are experiencing a severe mental illness So what does that tell you? That means maybe you, possibly your friends, maybe your family need some help. Sometimes it's hard to turn to the person right next to you and you need to find that neutral third party. Ridgeline Counseling, Dr. David Markwell and his therapist, they've been uh, with the BS for quite some time, a personal friend and the best at what he does. Markwell Therapy com works with children, adolescents, adults. They offer Spanish-speaking counseling services. They accept insurance, offer self-pay options. Three Georgia locations, East Cobb, Marietta, right near the square, and McKaysville outside of Blue Ridge. But you can always get to them virtually. MarkwellTherapy.com. If you or someone you know needs help, just reach out. MarkwellTherapy.com. We all got to have insurance, right? Or even possibly change insurance, which a lot of people don't know it's a thing and usually saves you a lot of cash. Sean Camp at Country Financial, he's the man. Looking for a new car, you're going to need insurance. You want to get a hold of Sean Camp. A new boat, a new motorcycle, buying a house, all these different things. Sean Camp at Country Financial is going to help you uh, with and walk you through. I wish that my mother would have talked to Sean Camp at Country Financial. She would have had comprehensive, and I wouldn't have had to bought her new windshield. All right, how do you get a hold of Sean? 678-519-9028. 678-519-9028. Make sure you say the BS sent you, right? Get a little extra special rubdown. Sean.camp at countryfinancial.com. You can shoot him an email. S-H-A-U-N dot C-A-M-P at countryfinancial.com. The camp agency at Country Financial. It's your one-stop shop for all your insurable needs. It's time, ladies and gentlemen. After all these years in the radio business, Jason Bailey is finally unfiltered. I don't know what you want. With his bestest buddy and producer, all the way from Mexico, it's Nate, dude. Sit back, enjoy. Here is the podcast that is all about intellectually immature nonsense. Are a very particular set of skills. You will love it. Why? Because I'm Jason's neighbor. I'm old man Kevin. <laughs> and by God, this is the BS. Alright, here it is, episode 129 of the BS. Thanks for being a uh, my name's Jason Bailey in the Golden Scissors Studio, brought to us by Gorenstein and Watkins, trial and litigation attorneys, landlord tenant disputes, contracts, transactions. 
wrongful death, personal injury, which seems to be the big one. That's why y'all going to Gorenstein and Watkins. GWtrial.com. GWtrial.com. Or you can call them if you choose. 470-491-0808. They're in Playa del Carmen, Mexico. It's the Nader Tater Vader Masturbator. Hola. Hola, buenos dias. How y'all doing? BN, BN, BN. And in the Zelensky Studios, living life to its halfest, <laughs> the seller of B-Man services for a quarter of a million dollars, there's Brandon Thrasher. Hey, everybody. I'm going to be borrowing $5 from you soon. Buy my company. <laughs> Buy my business. Spend me $250,000. And if I get that, Bailey's got to wash my balls. That's the, that's the bet. Uh, in with me here in the Golden Scissors studio, she's smart, the salacious, vivacious Nikki D. Oh, good morning. <laughs> wash my balls. All I saw was like this wash tub with Brandon's balls in it going up and down a little <laughs> silver thing in there. <laughs> I, I, look. I'll, I'll stick to my word. If somebody buy, you got to have, I, I mean, obviously I want to see proof that they bought it for 250. I want to see a check or a wire transfer, most likely of $250,000. I've got no problem washing your balls. Like I'm man enough to, I mean, I'm going to put gloves on, you know, but I'll wash your balls. Are you going to let him do that? Yeah. I don't know. So he has the problem then. I was like, this might be a little weird for me now. <laughs> well, look, a bet's a bet, you know, and I'm going to yeah. wash them some bitches good. <laughs> He's not going to stand there with, with his legs gapped open while you're down there washing. Or he's going to lay down on his back. Like, how are you going to do this? We'd probably have him lay in a bathtub. <laughs> I was thinking we'd get a big piece of particle board, cut a hole in the middle, and he just drops the balls through the middle. <laughs> the glory yeah, like hole. a milking table. The, yeah. the, the glory hole of Brandon's balls. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, if you don't feel comfortable, then I won't do it. But, uh, you know, I, I just wanted to let you know. I want I want you to sell your company for a quarter of a million dollars, and I will. I mean, I'll put the latex gloves on because that's kind of a little homosexual if I'm touching your balls. But, you know, it'll just be medical. Oh, gloves make it non-homosexual. Absolutely. <laughs> that one time that I was with that one guy in college, I wore a condom. So it was not You are not a doctor. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you put on gloves or not. I'm going to put a lab coat on. Make sure. I'm going to doctor it up. I'm going to one of those stethoscopes, whatever they're called. You know? I'm just giving him a good washing and a good exam. That's all. No, I, I'm, I'm not. weird going on here. If you want to bail out of the bet, just let me know. All right. Well, I'll see if I can hold up my end first. All right. I mean, he didn't make in. it a bet, though. It was a statement. And now listeners have pushed you up to do it. Well, they, you don't have to push me twice. I mean, I'm in. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. A bet's you don't a bet. Have to push me twice. <laughs> a bet's a bet. Oh you don't bail goodness. out of a bet. You open your mouth and you make a bet. You damn well do it. It wasn't a bet though. Brandon didn't agree to. Yeah, I'll let you touch my balls. <laughs> I think he did actually. Did he not, Nate? Did he not agree on the bet? I think so. Yeah. Is it all right? If you bail out of the bet and don't let me touch your balls, I'm going to be really upset about this. That's weird. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm not going to shower for like a week. That's fine. Well, I mean, now you're just being a dick. I mean, <laughs> cheese balls. Yeah. I mean, now you're just being mean. That's not cool. That's going to be so nasty. No. <laughs> now, do you watch? Like, what's the, what's the protocol here? 
I mean, no, I don't want to watch. That's is that like um, I don't, I don't want to be a witness to this. We have an HR department here as Bailey Entertainment LLC. <laughs> I don't know what they're going to say about this. No, <laughs> there there is a guy that I knew. This was years ago um, on on his radio show. Um, he was part of a, a, a show, and they did a bit where. I forget what the setup was. It was it was funny. It was clever. I mean, this is guy talk, hot talk radio, and they 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 made a bet of how long it would take him to get erect, um, based off of something. I forget what it was, and so they they had somebody you know watching. I mean, he wasn't naked, but he was. It was just like in his underwear where you'd see him get erect or something. They got in so much trouble oh, so for they that. They did that on air. Yeah, I don't think that's bad. I, that's a great bit. I mean, that's fun. I mean, as long as you're not whipping your penis out in front of people, if like if a dude's in the room looking at you, get. I mean, I think that's funny. Even if it were theater of the mind, which in this case, I believe, I, I don't think it was. I, I, that's a, a hilarious bit. You just can't get away with that stuff anymore. Well, I guess I should take that back because I do know somebody in radio that showed his balls to people. So. Yeah, well, there was a guy in Orlando that got fired for. I mean, like it was, it was pre Me Too, but it was the start of the movement, and that was his gimmick. Was what balls on your forehead? I mean, they had like shirts and everything, balls on your. I mean, that was his, that was his thing. He would he'd go out to events and take his balls out and put it on people's foreheads. Whoa, and that's too far. And that was his thing. That was his gimmick, though. I mean, it was it was funny, I guess. Uh, at the time, I no, it wasn't. It was funny at the time. And then they, 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 against their well wishes, they were trying to grow this show and they added a female uh, from our sister station. And everybody thought that she was legit and cool and kind of rolled with the punches. And then one night they went out and drank too much and she passed out and he put his balls on her forehead and they took a picture and they got fired for it. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got fired for it. She got a promotion. They got fired. Dang. <laughs> yeah, that's how that was. Usually how that works. Keep so. your balls to yourself. Keep your balls. Well, keep your <laughs> keep your fucking balls out of my mouth. <laughs> well, one time there was a, a show that um that nared their interns' balls. Um, oh wait, that was our show. Never mind. <laughs> I was about to say you mean our show. Did we really? Yeah, that was me. Yeah, remember I nared gay balls as balls. <laughs> And uh, and then I threw the pubes at Steve. You don't remember that <laughs> in Atlanta we did this. Yeah, oh, game yeah. No, it's on the, we did it's on it the in interwebs. <laughs> was it funny? Yeah, I thought it was. Oh. Good bit. I don't remember it at all. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, because he was hairy. Like his whole chest was hairy, and so then we put it on, and I had gloves, and I was down there, and he had to unzip his pants, and I'm in there in his bush. Yeah, I think was, his mom was, was pissed about that too, though. Which one of which one of the which one of them don't like me? Gay balls or duck man? Duck tape man. Duck tape man. Both of them. Oh, okay. Duck tape. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Really hates you. The, 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 yeah, the moms don't like you, but uh, gay, balls gay balls didn't have anything you. against you. Yeah. Yeah, I liked gay balls. The but book, the yeah, book of gay balls bit was I love. Oh, it was so oh, yeah, it was funny. Funny, but you put so much pressure on him with that bit. I had to watch him cry so many mornings and like really? give him pep talks. Oh yeah. Your opinion mattered so much to him. I wrote the damn thing. What, so, what kind of pressure was he under? I wrote it. Because he couldn't always read it right. Remember, we're talking about gay balls. So when he God, read I forget the lines. What, could he not read? 
He was a little slow. He that dude could be on the couch right now. <laughs> and I don't mean this in a in a negative way cuz I do remember I liked him a lot. And I still like him, I guess. But you don't like even know who I he is. he'd be on the couch. I wouldn't I'd be like who are you? <laughs> it's because he wouldn't read some of the lines the way you wrote them. So you'd be like, "Gay boss, I, I'm writing it for you. I'm doing everything. You just gotta read it." Yeah. So he'd sit in there. You'd be like, "Nikki, help him." Oh, so yeah. he'd be sitting in there that. with me, <laughs> yeah. and I'd go over the lines and tell him how to read it, where to put the pauses and the inflections, and he'd be like, "Okay." <laughs> That's how he wiped his face from crying. I'd be like, oh my God. They don't pay me enough for this. Uh, All right. I'm glad you guys are still around me just to remind me of shit like this. I totally forgot. <laughs> Absolutely forgot. Uh, it's weird what you can remember and you can't remember. Uh, so a buddy of mine reached out to me the other day, and, and I love talking music, especially rock and roll. And um, he's in charge of kind of bringing life back to this rock station that was once, you know, a juggernaut. And you hear this story often in the, in the, the radio business of a station that once was something and now you want to get it back. Now rock and roll is not what it used to be as far as the mainstream attraction. There's just no doubt about it. I mean, rock just dominated everything in the eight, for the most part in the eighties. Um, and then again, kind of in the early 2000s when it was more pop rock. You know, now it's pop music, hip hop. That's that's what dominates, you know, that's what the kids listen to. And you got to cater to the kids. I mean, you, you to the younger audience because the younger audience is going to dictate what is mainstream, not a 40-some-year-old guy, right? Right. Kids in high school, kids in college. That's why comedians, you'll see them... George Carlin did this, Dana Carvey, uh, Dana Carvey, uh, Dane Cook did this, is they went to the colleges to reinvent themselves because those are the people that are making things mainstream, you know, not people that have already lived through five cycles of mainstream, like myself, you know, like they, I couldn't sit here and tell you and try to make something cool and hip uh, in mainstream because I'm, I'm, I'm done. I mean, I'm, I'm out of that. I can talk about whatever it is. I can tell stories of maybe similarities to what was once, but I'm not going to sit there and be a part of a trend that's new. Right. You know, just out there. It's just how things are. So anyway, my, so my buddy's got this, he's in charge of rebuilding this rock station. And, um, and also in the market, there are different genres of rock stations there's a classic rock station there's like a classic hit station there's an alt station alt music which i think those waters are very very cloudy very muddied uh so like what is rock you know that's the question so he asked me to go listen to the station and then he asked my opinion which you know I everybody's love. asking your opinion these days you, you are the man you know i like when somebody asks my opinion <laughs> i know you know i like it <laughs> So, uh, so I went and I listened to the station and I was extremely impressed. Just, you try to listen to it, uh, as a fan, right? Right. Like when you listen to a rock station and you're listening for the music, not the personality, and you're just, li you're listening for, is it a station that you could put on at a party and leave on the entire party? That's, well, that's kind of, that's the barometer, right? Okay. That's, that's where, that's where you're setting the bar is going like, Stations that are successful, and a lot of it's the science of radio, which a lot of people don't know, is how the ratings come in are calculated 
by time, but the frequency uh, on a quarter uh, a quarter hour. So you have to have a full five minutes for every quarter hour, zero to 15, 16 to 30, so on and so forth. So if you've got a station that's the at work listening station, can you imagine that for 10 hours, the radio station's playing on the speakers and you've got a meter that soaks up that 10 hours of listening? That's why those stations do so well. The classic hit stations are playing rock, easy listening rock, Journey, um, I don't know what all they play, Eagles, you know, stuff like that, that is easy on the ears and familiar. And that's the key to be familiar, having it on in the background at a party, gas station. I mean, like you go into any gas station, most likely you're going to hear like a classic hits station, right? Because it's easy on the ears. And you, there's very rarely are you going to focus on each song. You just kind of hear, hear the, it playing. You just kind of hear it. You're not mm-hmm. listening. You're hearing it. Um, so in this case, the music is kind of all over the place, but in a good way where there was active rock songs, which would be early 2000s, Disturbed, Shinedown, Linkin Park, Papa Roach, those, those types of things. Then there was a mixture of a, a lot of 90s, you know, your Nirvanas, your Pearl Jams, your Rage Against the Machines. Then there was some 70s thrown in, Eagles, Jimi Hendrix, which I thought was interesting, and a couple other, like, what I would call, oh, wow songs. Like, I didn't expect that. I didn't see that coming. Every radio station needs that. You know, that's where I think the top 40 stations, even though most of the time they all do very well, they don't throw the oh, wow factor in. They really don't. The the, the oh, wow factor would be, a t- unless they make a segment out of it, you know, Flashback Fridays, 1989, number one, top of the hit charts. Here's Michael Jackson in Bad. You know, and that they, instead of just playing it in rotation. Yep. When that dude on the skateboard um, became a viral sensation, you know, for the, the, the cranberry uh, drink, and also he had... Um, uh, what was the uh, the band? Uh, Fleetwood, Mac. Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood Mac, right? Which years ago was a pop band, even though they're, I would consider a rock band, but not with how people define rock today, but they're still iconic and they're easy to listen to. It's great music and you know what it is. It's familiar. So he becomes viral with Fleetwood Mac. Top 40, top 40 started playing it because that was a smart move because it wasn't necessarily the song is top 40, but the story is top 40. Right. Everybody knows everything now that goes viral. And that's what pop is. Pop is short for popular. Mm-hmm. So if it's viral, you know, you have to submit to, you're not steady, setting the trends anymore, right? being radio. The internet is setting the trends. Social media platforms are setting the trend. Just suck off the teat. That's all you got to do. Anyway, back to the rock thing. So I'm listening to it. I'm like, this is good. And I question, I go, 70s? I go, Really? And then, you know, they do music tests and this and this and that. And he said, yeah, actually, the 90s are kind of, you know, going out. The nostalgia of the 90s are leaving. Um, but uh, 70s, the 80s still hit, and then the early 2000s. So with that being said, you know, uh, there wasn't really much critique that I gave him. I know I sound like I know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> he asked my opinion. And I, and I, and I, gave, I mean, everybody's, a, I don't want to say critic, but everybody's a, an expert, really, if you're a fan. I mean, if you're, I, I feel you don't have to go to music school to know a, a good or bad song, 
right? Now, there's a difference. You have to be uh, subjective, objective, right? Where you have to be open to, that's a good song based off of this. It's just not my cup of tea. I I feel that I can do that. I know I, I talk about music that I don't like, but that's my personal opinion. But I can sit there and hear a song and go, oh, that's just not a good song. But I also can listen to a song and be like, I personally don't like that song, but I understand why people like the song. But I've heard several people say, even people we've interviewed, that your knowledge of music is like insane more than they've ever seen from another person. So I think you have a good balance of knowing good and bad regardless of your personal like of the music. So I think you're the perfect person just over the years from what I've heard people say in regards to rock music, like you know it. Well, even Brandon, like when we do the top, thank you, but the top three stuff, you know, he's always throwing in these way out of left field rap songs. I don't know what Brandon (laughs) specializes in. And not that not not that I despise (laughs) rap, but I can I can look at Brandon and go, this is the music he likes. This is the genre of music that he went, you know, his coming of, you know, age years in high school was listening to because this is what was popular. This is what he was surrounded by. So this is his norm. And I can appreciate that. Now, then I break it down and be like, this song sucks. Like, I mean, there's just nothing. There's, that's not even my opinion. It just sucks. But then I can say, I don't like this song, but I understand why people like the song. There's a difference. Yeah. And I, and I feel like I'm good at that. So when it comes to rock, even if, you, I mean, none of you guys are, are are all in on the in the rock genre, but like, what would the what should a rock station sound like? I mean, we worked at one for a very long time, and unfortunately, that's not how a rock station should sound. <laughs> there were there were a lot of things, in my opinion, wrong with that station, and I voiced them. They fell on deaf ears because I've been a part of successful rock stations. And I've seen what very talented and creative people do to make those stations successful. Uh, Unfortunately, our last stop, they had hearing aids and the batteries were out, you know. So (laughs) what would you say, Nikki? I mean, and you know, you don't know shit about rock and roll. (laughs) And you work in the rock business, which is crazy to me. I don't know how you survive this. But you have to have an appreciation of the music and be able to listen to the radio station. I've learned a lot of rock music since I've been working there. And when I changed positions to where now I was kind of on the boards and hearing the songs, I I thought it sounded like a rock station. Yeah. But that's your only... Frame of reference? (laughs) It is. Just because you play rock music in the rock genre doesn't mean you're a rock station. There were a lot of songs I liked, though, that I didn't know I never heard of. So, I mean... Like what? I mean, I can't tell you the artist, but if I... If you I can. Heard, you can tell me anything. I'm here for you. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a song that I actually still plays in my mind all the time. And I, I, I don't really like the words, but that... Like, that song... play. Like, I could just be randomly doing something, and that song will play in my head. So, like, there's a lot of songs that just stuck with me from listening to them. You're not very good at Name That Tune, because I didn't get any of that. Nirvana, rape me, rape me. Oh, is that what you said? Yeah. I, I'm glad you guys heard it. I'm sitting right next to her. I heard. Well, you know, it's not about being. It's. it's yeah, I know, okay. but I just don't like to say the title of the song. But that particular song, I never heard it before in my life. But it's a song that even right now, I don't play it in my car, but it plays in my head. Well, that, and that's the whole point. I mean, yeah. the, if you know the story behind that song in particular. What you just said in the year 2023 
is what Kurt Cobain wanted to happen back in the early 90s when the record company said, you're not putting that on this album and we're not releasing this to radio. And he goes, yes, we are. And yes, you are, because this song will get people's attention. And, right. <laughs> and he goes, and if you listen to it and you listen to the lyrics, you'll understand it doesn't mean what you think it means, why it's such a great song. Mm-hmm. So he forced their hand. I think there was some more to do with that. They did it. And years later, out of every Nirvana song that you've ever heard, that one stands out. That one stands out. That's the one that I, I know and just randomly plays in my head. Yeah. Okay. So, so you think that a rock station should just play Rape Me? No, I don't think they should just play that. <laughs> W-R-P-E. <laughs> I think um, you listen against your will. I think the formula <laughs> of adding in what people are familiar with and flag- factoring in some new stuff is what makes a good station. You're going to get your diehards that's going to listen for their stuff, and then you're going to get the people that's going to come in and listen for maybe the new stuff. See, I, I don't know if I agree with the new stuff. I think you have to take the temperature of what people want, and that's where radio needs to observe the outside world and say, are people coming to radio for new music? Uh, The majority, probably not. That doesn't mean you can't play it, but I think it needs to get some type of pop or be a part of some type of um, uh, thing virally to to, to be put in rotation. You know, because you got to remember every... Every three minutes, every song, ask yourself, is there another song that's better that could be in its place? So it's always valuable. You look at it like kind of compartmentalizing every single song. Right. You know, just just as they'll tell talent, is what you're saying more important than playing an STP record? Now, I've learned over the years to always reply with yes. No matter if it's true or not, I just always reply with yes. <laughs> Absolutely. That's why you hired me, because everything I say is great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Nate, what about you? What, as you, you like rock and roll, listening to a station, what do you want to hear at the age of, uh, what, 38, 37? 39. Or 39. Uh, <laughs> you don't look a day over 38. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's hard because I think what... Pros. Oh God! Look at that freeze <laughs> that's frame. That's such a that's such a good pose too. <laughs> oh my God! The other. Oh my God! Um, oh my God! Hold on. Let me get. There's a me. lot of. Oh man! Oh, soon as it. <laughs> you should explain. What happened? Me. Fucking Mexican internet. Jesus! <laughs> you froze in such an awesome pose, and I missed it. Oh, I can go back to the video and screenshot. It was it. like. You you look like one of the models at Macy's or something. <laughs> anyway, God, what were you saying? I was just saying, I, I think you almost have to splinter the stations. And I know there are, there are like, you know, active rock or classic rock or whatever. But I think at least, you know, with our former station, when they brought in new music, new new music, um, the, the old guys that want to hear the ACDC and the, you know, Led Zeppelin and everything hate the new hard rock music. And then the new guys hate the old music. So I don't I don't think you're going to ever win if you're trying to combine those two. It's like it's um, like the car world. Like I should be the last person talking about the car world. But what I learned is that Brandon, help me out here. There's the what is the, the there's two difference. There's the like the the there's two different terms. Like there's a term for the old muscle cars and then there's a term for the newer Fast and Furious cards, like the Japan, it's like three letters. Do you know what I'm talking about? Three letters. Uh, 
I don't know about three letters, just like classic and nah, there, there's there's terminology for it. I learned it when I did that Hot Wheels thing. Like you've got the old gassers, you know, for the mo- the muscle cars, and they absolutely hate anything to do with the Japanese cars. But it's it, there's like three letters, and it's J something something, and that's how they reference it. But anyway, the rock and rolls is is used to be a lot worse. You'd have what were called gearheads, and gearheads would be very opinionated. You know, when I lived through this at a rock station in Orlando, when, you know, music started to get kind of jumbled up, where Eminem is now being played, Lose Yourself is being played on rock stations because it's got a guitar. So it's not necessarily anymore based off of the artist. It's based off of the sound of the song, which up until, you know, then really it was always based off of the artist. It was very difficult for an artist to change genres. Let's just put it that way. Now, their music could transcend over genres if the genre accepted it. Now, it's a lot different. Artists are jumping ship left and right. And as long as they're accepted by the community, they their music can su- succeed without a doubt. You know, and, and the money's not in the rock world. The money's in the country world or the top 40 world. That, that's where the money's at if, if you're looking for it from a... a broadcasting standpoint, you know, and everything is, is, is goes in cycles. So, you know, the, the rock business will, will be back at some point in time. You just have to have a band that it become, you have to have another Nirvana, right? And, and in the early two thousands, when there was a resurgence of rock and roll, it was because they had a pop appeal and, and they would last two, three weeks on a rock station. And then a lot of them would then be played on the top 40 station. And that's where the genre of pop rocks comes into play. Three Doors Down, Stain, Shine Down. You know, I mean, I've told the story about, you know, I, I, I was the guy that launched Shine Down as far as from the, the radio DJ side. And uh, their management company, who they started with and still with today, Indigoot Records out of New York, Bill McGaffey, he runs that, that company. And he came to Tampa and sat down with me and said, uh, he goes, I value your opinion. I want you to listen to this new album that, that we just, it's done, Sound of Madness. And he, he didn't say anything else. And we went through it and I just took notes. And I pointed out three songs, I think, two or three. No, Second Chance was the first one. I said, this is a crossover. This is going to be a hit. And this is going to be their biggest song to date. And he goes, yeah, that's the first one that we're releasing and we're pushing it to top 40. You're absolutely correct. Nailed it. Be- because well, because that's that that's where the money is that you want that mainstream attention, you know. So, um, but you also need person. That's the thing. That's where that's where the station here in Atlanta went wrong. Is they needed the edge. Rock has always been about the edge. It's always been rebellious. It's always stood out. Times have changed. You have to find out what edge is nowadays, and. You know, everybody's going to have a different opinion on that, me especially, but that's what makes rock stations. Well, what do you think Edge is? Honesty. Hmm. Very simple. That's all it is. It's being honest. So putting out a song that's super honest is what's going to jump out. Yeah, if you're talking about music, but I'm talking about from a personality standpoint or an imaging standpoint. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the pe- people don't like the hard sell. The, we're, we're past that. Everybody knows the tricks. So the, you know, we're number one station in town we, and all that stuff. Nobody needs that. You know, they, they want to hear something that's relatable. They want to hear about, 
you know, your divorce. They want to hear about the fight that you got in with your wife, or you want to hear about your going to a football, you know, like if you're talking to an audience of, you know, demographic of 25 to 54, you've got to be nuts to think that the, the money spending part of your audience doesn't have children. (laughs) I just think that's silly, but there was once a time where that was the mindset boobs and beard bitches that's all we care about let's demean women because we're the master sex and that was what the that was rock right i mean rock and roll if it if it ain't rip rip the knob off it ain't bleeding your ears it ain't good where's my bitch get me a beer domestic yes of course not that sissy draft craft beer stuff you know that was the mindset but those days are gone long gone long gone but there's still people that live in that world you know why are you talking about your family (laughs) (laughs) well they're they're gone because those people have kids now and they have a family well i'm talking about my family is because it's relatable that's honest that's edgy yep you know edgy's not watch me suck the nipples right off this whore that's not edgy (laughs) that's silly that's stupid you know And, and trust me i used to do that kind of radio I said, dude, I did wet burka contests. You know, I did bits called Muff Madden. I mean, I did some. Muff Madden. Oh, yeah. I'd have two strippers in the studio every Friday, and I'd have two listeners playing a game of Madden. And every time uh, one of them scored, the the stripper for the other person had to take off an article of clothing. And whoever was naked first, and when I say naked, naked first, uh, won. They got completely naked. Mm-hmm. And, and and every time they scored, what made the bit the bit as far as the audio portion of it was um, every time they scored, no matter what we were doing or talking about, we would stop and go, score! And then I would play like, you know, dum, 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 music and she'd take off her clothes and we'd explain it. And then we'd go, okay, well, back to what we're talking about. So I can't believe that woman died. <laughs> and you would just jump back into it. It was actually pretty funny, you know? But, you know, you can't, that's not edgy anymore. It was edgy for the time. Because it's not edgy. If I go on the radio and do that, people will be like, what the hell is this guy? Exactly. (laughs) They're going to be rioting. Yeah. (laughs) Holding up sides. We live in a society where women don't have vaginas anymore. (laughs) Uh, So, I mean, and I, that's my own personal opinion. I told him that. And I said, that's how you win people over with honesty. And you play music that it's relatable and familiar and that, you know, yeah, the research and the science part of it doesn't hurt, but if they want to hear it, you give it to them even more. You know, my, my new saying in life is what Ric Flair said in his documentary. Have you guys seen his documentary on Peacock? The doc? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. no. So good. I mean, you don't even have to be a wrestling fan to enjoy it, but if you're a wrestling fan, you're really going to enjoy it. So good. I had no idea. So, if you're a wrestling fan, you know that Ric Flair is not his real name. You And you know that Richard Fleer is his real name. Oh. That's not his real name. He was adopted. So what's his real name? Uh, he said it. I forget. It was something <laughs> odd. What's the, what's the name? But he was, he was put up for adoption. And so Richard Fleer was the name that he got from his ado- adoptive parents. And his adoptive parents were ph- phenomenal people. And he was just a wild child. And, and, and it talks about him getting into wrestling and women and drinking and all this other stuff. And he's got a brother that he never knew, a biological brother from his real parents, parents that just reached out to him like five years ago. 
Wow. Did he just realize he was his brother or he just wanted to stay out of the way? Well, no, he had proof that he was his brother and he reached out to his wife, Ric Flair's wife. And Ric Flair says on camera, because the, the documentarian, who's a very popular documentarian, says, so are you going to meet him? He goes, no. Because I've got too many. He's like, I'm 70 whatever years old. I've got too many things to worry about. And let's be honest. He's probably just reaching out because I'm Ric Flair. Dang. <laughs> he's like, that's awesome. <laughs> you know who oh, you Fred, are. What's that? Fred Phillips. Fred Phillips is Ric Flair's real name. Biological birth name. Fred Phillips. Is that the name of the guy from the, the church? Fred Phelps. Fel- yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what it is. That hates the gays? Yeah, thank God it's not Fred Phelps. Jesus, man, <laughs> Jesus. So anyway, so that's what I told him. I said, you know, music sounds good, and, you know, you just have to add an edge. And he, and he says, well, what do you mean? What kind of edge? And I explained it. I said, just be honest, especially with the imaging, you know, and the personalities. Personalities have to be honest. You know, if you got people that are trying too hard or think that they're better than their audience and... You know, like that, that was a thing at one point radio where you, you know, there is a, a, there is some truth. You never want to say that you're, you're, you're not better than your audience, but your audience needs a leader. And I always, I've always thought that an audience needs to live vicariously through you. So you say things that they're thinking. It's the old stone cold Steve Austin and Vince McMahon storyline. Oh my God. He's going to stun. He's going to give his boss a stunner in the ring. Who does that? Who flips off their boss? That's why that storyline was so popular. I got to tell you, radio, good radio, personality-driven good radio mirrors professional wrestling. Hmm. How so? Storylines. Okay. You know, the storylines in wrestling that have worked, like the one I just gave an example of, is it worked because it was relatable. You know what I mean? Yeah, I saw people crying when we went to that wrestling match. Um, <laughs> when that lady was going up, the Pocahontas lady. Mickey James. Yeah, like they were in tears. I'm like, jeez, these people love her. And she's built that audience. I mean, she's been in she's been in the WWE, WWF. She's done it all. She's mm-hmm. a legend. She's an icon. And, uh, and, and so she's built that fan base by being honest. Yeah, you know, th- that's how you win. You know, you got to, and you've got to be an open book. I feel, I feel like your audience needs to know just about everything there is to know about you. Well, most, most things. I don't think nobody should know everything. Like, what do you have that you don't want people to know? I'm going to tell you what I don't want people to know. (laughs) Good one. (laughs) Give me a hint. Good one. No. You have a penis. I don't have a penis. I actually have a very pretty vagina. Oh my God. That's disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't ever say that to me again. That's just, well, then don't talk about it. That's I was. You don't want to know it's, about it's it. It's a quick joke. Like we move on after Jason does joke. You don't have to get descriptive about your genitals. <laughs> she just said pretty. <laughs> That's descriptive, Nate. It's an adjective. <laughs> it wasn't very descriptive. It's gross. Well, you wanted to know what was in my nether region, so I told you. Brandon, what uh, what attracted you to the rock station when we were there? It was us, right? It was the personality. It wasn't the music. Yeah, well, I mean, I had listened to uh, the music, and then uh, I just never really got up that early and listened to the radio, and I started to listen, and, you know, it just seemed like a fun time. Fun, I think fun. I think people want to hear people having fun on the radio. That helps. I agree. Yes, that you are like correct. They want to be there. 
you, yeah, you want to be voyeuristic in in a fun into the fun, right? That's what you want to do. You're right. You want to if you can't get into the party, you want to know about the party, or at least you want to smell, listen a little bit about the party. Absolutely, and that goes with synergy, and that's what I would tell anybody having a, a show. Uh, an ensemble cast or whatnot, but a, a personality-driven show with numerous people, you have to have synergy. Listeners can hear the synergy, without a doubt. That's why I like to keep everything in-house. Once it starts to go in-house, animosity sets in and other people get involved and it just turns to shit, the synergy goes away. And I, I tell anybody that's working with me, you know, Nate knows this. Um, well, I guess you all know this, but, you know, it's, if if you go behind my back, then I just will dismiss you. You're gone. You're silent. You're mute until you're gone from the show. I mean, that will take a minute, but I'll do everything I can to make you obsolete. If, if I can't trust you, because I don't want to attach myself to anybody I can't trust. Nobody does, I don't think. You know, especially in a world where you're creating a brand. You know, I... I want people around me to be more successful. I want them to have success. I want them to go off on their own. Um, but as soon as they turn heel on me, you're dead. You're done. And that's just that's just how it is. So anyway, back to the conversation. So I, I thought it was good, and I thought you know I thought you guys would have a little bit more fun with this. But you know, when you're listening to a radio station, <laughs> um, you know, you just I, I guess in any genre, I think you, I think you you want to hear what's familiar to your ears. I agree with that. I hate I hate the new music that comes out now. And now that I'm saying this out loud, I like hearing music I know the words to. When the song comes on, I can sing all the words to the song because I like singing. And then now it's music that comes out, and I don't know what they're even saying. It drives me nuts. Well, what kind of music? You listen to that rap music. That's why. Well, I listen to R&B, too. But oh. R&B music now, a lot of the new It's not R&B like music, it used to be where it's sexy. It's not. <clears throat> we want to take. Our clothes off, baby. Tell me about Let it. Let me lick you up and down. Yeah, stuff Can like you that. Say stop, freak me, baby. <laughs> freak me, baby. That was good, R and B. What's uh, what's the 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 uh, Black Street? What's that? How's that go? Before I let go, before no, not that I one. Oh, no diggity. Yeah, no diggity, no, no doubt. doubt. That's the one they do on Pitch Perfect. Anna Kendrick does. Oh, that's why you know it. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. I, 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 I actually <laughs> had that album. You had Black Street. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Dude, you don't know about Mint Condition. I had Mint Condition. I definitely know about Mint Condition. Do you really? You know I about really Jade? Do. Who is Jade? Yeah, exactly. You don't know about Jade. You don't either. You just made that up. I didn't. Out of all the things I can make up, I'm going to make up Jade. <laughs> yes. Because you roll stuff off the top of your head very easily. What about Stevie B? Uh, we had this discussion. Nobody knows Stevie B. Oh. But you. you no, you can't be. Uh, Nate, do you remember this? Nobody knew that Stevie B guy but Jason. No, nah, I just know the wonder. No B. You know who Stevie B is, Nate. He's right up your squisher. No, no. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, I mean, I don't know who he is specifically, but maybe a song by him or something. Does he have like a hit song? Yeah, but yeah, nobody knows it but Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I used to eat at his restaurant all the time. Oh, I love Stevie B's pizza. Love it. I don't think it's the same Stevie B, guys. <laughs> it's Stevie C. Yeah, no, I don't I don't think it's uh so what was his big one? Uh oh, I wanna be the one. That's it. 
Oh, be- because I love you. That was his other big one. You <laughs> absolutely <laughs> And spring love. Spring love. <laughs> what are you laughing at? I don't know any of these songs. None of them. Here, look. This is what Google. People also asked, when was Stevie B popular? Exactly, because no one knows him. Would you shut your hole for a second? <laughs> In 1989, he had his first top 40 hit with I Want to Be the One, In My Eyes, and Love Me for Life. With his 1990 album, Love and Emotion, he reached the height of his success with the accompanying single, Because I Love You, enjoying four weeks, not three, not two, four weeks at number one on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 in December 1990. So don't tell me nobody knows who he is. What does Stevie B do now? He owns a pizza place in Atlanta. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Where does Stevie B live now? He called himself a loyal, loving father. He lives in Las Vegas. Look at that. Um, how much does he charge to perform? Fifteen dollars. Fifteen thousand. Between fifteen thousand and twenty-five thousand dollars. <laughs> is he still performing? No. There's there's Ticketmaster. Nobody Stevie knows B him. tickets concert tour. Look at this. Hold on. Yeah. Damn, I didn't want that button. Uh, let's see here. When's his next concert date? He's still on tour. He looks good. Um, he'll be in Coral Gables, Florida, on March 11th at the Watsco Center at the University of Miami. Uh. He uh, he'll be in Palm Desert, California, at the as Crisco Arena, at Greater Palm Springs. He's going to be at the YouTube Theater. That sounds big. Uh, March twenty fifth in Inglewood, California. I mean, he's still a thing, guys. <laughs> thank God. Oh. Don't thank God. Nobody knows him, Brandon. <laughs> well, you would like him if you, just because you're not familiar. I mean, let's be honest. You're not really the all-knowing music person. So, like, why don't you familiarize yourself? You talk about how you love R&B. He's like the godfather of R&B. I listened to his music the last time you brought him up. Of the 80s, by the way. What's that? I listened to his music the last time you brought him up because I was determined to know a song because I'm really good with my old-school music. And I did not know one of his songs. And you know what? It's okay. You get a pass. You messed up. You missed one. But now, lucky for you, you have me in your life, and I bring the attention to something that you... Every, Stevie B was the hottest thing in the late 80s, early 90s. Was he? He he was on... Like, I just talked about his statistics. I mean, just crazy. You went to one of his concerts? I did. Oh. At the Robarts Arena in Sarasota, Florida. He performed. And what was your favorite part of the concert? What the hell was that noise? I heard it that time. <laughs> I did it's like too. a car girl. Oh my god! Okay, every, I'm not crazy, right? Everybody heard that. Yeah, we heard it. This one. That's a loud one. <laughs> I've never heard somebody's body uncontrollably make noises like that. Like if you had a car that made that noise, you would take it into the shop. Oh my god! And it lasted for it felt like an hour. <laughs> it sounds like when you open up a, a can of soda and pour it on a in a glass of ice. It's just like that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It does. That's exactly what it sounds like. A lot of bubbles. A lot of cracking. There's a lot going on. 
Can you just isolate that one thing and send that to me? <laughs> I want to ask. I want to play. I want to put a clip out. I want to ask people what they think this noise is. <laughs> my mom's cash car sounds better than that. I don't know why my throat does that. It's not your throat. That's your. That's like your innards. No, it, it I mean, comes it comes out of through. My throat. Yeah, but it starts with your innards. <laughs> like you got something wrong with you. Like you need to see a doctor or a mechanic. <laughs> One of the two. <laughs> you gotta see somebody. Get a, get a throat silencer. <laughs> Just keeps talking. Like it's no big deal. If I keep talking, maybe they won't notice that it made that. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, oh my God. I hope he didn't hear it because he's about to make a big deal about it. Can you imagine being out like an important dinner, like with her or on a date with her? (laughs) And damn dragon fire shows up. (laughs) Well, both of you guys, we should change our podcast to acid reflux. (laughs) But I don't make uncontrollable noises. No, you you like silence it. You're you're good at silence. You just yeah, I'll, I'll do like a swallow, like like that. <laughs> you need to change your diet. What are you eating that makes that noise? I don't know. I don't think it has anything to do with what I eat. I think what it is is you're not eat. Maybe you're not eating at something that that little dragon that's inside your belly is hungry and it's shooting fire, and you need to eat more of that to feed him. <laughs> Just dragon, dragon fruit, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what they eat. Because there is another thing in you. There's an alien in you. You might be an alien. But a human being doesn't make that noise. My jig is up. Well, I don't know what that means, but. I've been found out. You, you got something going on in there. I forgot what Have I you ever saying. made that noise when you're intimate? No. It only happens when I'm up and talking and stuff. All right. Not you, all the time. You should keep that else. to a minimum. <laughs> it doesn't happen all the time. It happens a long time on this show, it does. <laughs> this is the first time. They thought I was crazy all these times. This is the first time they heard it. She's in Nate's face. He was just rolling over. I think he was just trying to be nice. <laughs> all right. Let's talk to our guest. I need to take a break. Hold up. Wait a minute. Let's hear from our sponsors. Winter is here, and we know what that means. Rodents are looking for a nice, comfy place to call their home. Nothing better than a nice, warm attic or crawl space, possibly yours. Do you know that rodents can cost thousands of dollars in repairs or even worse? Squirrels are the number one issue with house fires in the attic due to them constantly chewing on the wires, not to mention the diseases that they carry. Well, not on Inspect All Pest Services Watch. They do full or partial exclusions to help get rid and prevent rodents from invading your home. Whether it's squirrels, rats, opossums, or bats, they got you covered. Fully licensed and insured, Inspect All Pest Services is a company you can trust to take care of all your rodent needs inspectallservices.com make sure you mention the bs and receive 10 percent off your exclusion work year-round exclusions one year of rodent trapping included with annual renewal rodent letters trap set and attics and crawl spaces free inspections inspectallpestservices.com doing a little remodeling in the new year possibly go to uci kitchen and bath they've been atlanta's number one cabinet granite and quartz fabricator and installer for the past 20 years By the way, if you go in or when you go in, make sure you ask if Tony's around. Tony's awesome. You got to meet Tony. Fair prices, quality of work, and excellent service apart uh, from their competitors and their industry. You can visit the Norcross 
uh, showroom location and let their design team just totally transform your kitchen and bathroom into this beautiful and functional environment to fit you know your personality right it's a one-stop shop at uci kitchen and bath they provide installation on whatever you buy mention the bs you get 10 percent off regularly priced countertops ucigranite.com ucigranite.com i want you to get the latest coolest hippest trends in your house plus you get to improve your property value ucigranite.com and back to you jason oh boy oh boy i see things on the screen and i don't know if they're good or not but we have our friend Julia Ferris back on with the results of my brain. She's the yeah. owner of Neurotherapy Centers of America, Neurothera- Neurotherapy Centers USA with an S, USA.com, CentersUSA.com. Yeah. So I'm to make that yeah. very, very clear. How are you, Julia? Good. How are you? Good. Re- before we go into my brain and the whole experience, because I think I told a little bit of it. Obviously, I didn't have the results at the time, so I'm going to learn the results of my brain along with you guys. Mm. I know. I don't know. If this might have been a bad idea. It's a great idea. <laughs> really bad idea. Um, but just to kind of go back in case people missed the the conversation that we had with Julia uh, a couple of weeks ago on on the podcast, is that you know when. Julia's husband some years ago came back from, was it a second or third deployment? It was a second deployment, his first to the desert. Okay. He came back and he had PTSD as as bad as you can have PTSD. And, you know, the, the short of it is, is their, their family and their lives. It was, it was all about finding a, a way to fix the husband. You know, they had nothing. They're living off green, uh, green, they're left food stamps. And so, Julia takes it upon herself to learn about his brain. And, 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 and during that time, she um, becomes friends with some of the leading experts in the business and doctors around the world. Uh, and then they mentor her. And now she's owns Neurotherapy Centers of America. I mean, that's that's the short of it, right? That's the short of it. And just for the veterans out there, um, my husband's injuries weren't combat injuries. They were uh, a series of training injuries, uh, a series of, you know, some other things that took place on the deployment. And then his return was really traumatic. Um, so I'm sure a lot of veterans out there can relate to, look, I wasn't in combat. Why am I injured? Why do I have PTSD? Why do I have brain injury? And those are things we can go over um, if anybody reaches out. And the neurotherapy part of it is, you know, part of it is his brain mapping, which for me, it's more or less entertainment uh, for, for me and for everybody else. But for those that suffer from PTSD, anxiety, depression, those types of things, what you do is find ways to, can I use the word fix their situation? Regulate. 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 Yeah. Mm -hmm. Regulate. And and that's with therapy afterwards. A lot of times holistic therapy. And training the brain to function normally, to connect normally, um, to create stronger pathways. And in some cases, new pathways in the brain that are optimal. So you come over, um, my house, which I appreciate you doing, and and she can do this anywhere and and wherever you live, she can just send you the stuff and then, you know, figure it out through zoom and whatnot. 
So Julia comes to my house and she's, she's got a laptop and she's got some equipment and she goes, we need to find a quiet place because the dogs barking are going to screw up my, 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 my measurements, my data. So we come down to the golden scissor studio and she straps me up. Ooh. She, well, not like that, Nikki. She, I mean, I mean you said it like, fight him down. <laughs> <laughs> she made me wear this all leather spiky outfit. It was really weird. I was like, is this part of the therapy, Julia? <laughs> Hope my wife doesn't come home. Uh, so, no, she puts this, uh, it's like little swimmer's cap with a bunch of holes on my head, and then you, then you shot goo into it. What was that? Electro gel. So, it's a conductive electro gel, it's a salt based conductive gel that picks up the vibrations from the scalp and um, amplifies that into or transmits that into an amplifier or the training or the the box and um, records the electrical activity of your brain. And I could see it in real time on her laptop, you know, like I would yawn and it would, you know, like just every little thing I did. So we had to do uh, 12 one minute sessions Six of those with my eyes closed, chin up, so I was relaxed because, you know, put your head down, you kind of tense up. And plus, I'm already tense, she said. And then the other six were with my eyes open, but you just focus on something, right? And the the reason for that is just to have a clear mind in order to get the data, right? Well, in some cases, we can actually do a five-minute long, uh, we we can get 19 spots of the brain all at one time in five minutes. Um, I just brought you the the main unit that we use for people. We, there are so many ways to do brain mapping, so many um, different types of brain maps, but this is the standard brain map. And what happens is um, in your case, you tend to, when you close your eyes, kind of really go into almost meditative thought, planning, thinking, overthinking. So what I did was have him listen for sounds in the room, listen to the fish tank and, you know, take a deep breath, kind of come out of it head a little bit um not to be anxious but so it wasn't so uh meditative and she she knew that just by the readings because that i mean that's absolutely true like if i have any time to think i'll think about stuff i know you think about work right exactly yeah. you know so like she's able to see she was able to see that i mean she literally we just got down here you were already sitting in the chair like okay so when we record, I'm going to say this. And <laughs> yeah, it was, like, it was like it was like one of those things. Um, so so we sit down and 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 here's like I'm I'm kind of looking over my shoulder, and I'm seeing seeing it go, and and again going back to that movie that I always quote Couples Retreat, where <laughs> there's there's a there's a scene in there where the whole point of the movie is Jason Bateman and Kristen Bell uh, are married and they're 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 thinking about going through a divorce, but they're very logical like overly logical people realistic people so their um their therapist at this retreat is dr ken right played by dr ken and after they're done their first session jason bateman goes so you know just like number wise on a scale of one to ten you see a lot of couples come in i mean would you say that we're not as bad off as them like we're better off like would you put us like a seven and eight you know so so i i I, I wanted to turn to julie and be like you, you've mapped a lot of people's brains, but you would probably say that I'm probably in the upper echelon. I mean, I don't want to know the results right now, but just looking at the raw results. <laughs> I didn't say that. I was, that's what I was thinking. All right, let's get to the results. That's what we did. Okay. It was very simple. 
Uh, it really didn't take that long, obviously, other than the times that I just gave you. And I'm looking at your shared screen right now, and I have what looks like a do- uh, speedometers on there. Um, so go ahead and take it away and start with whatever you want to start with. All right. So starting with this, this is just these meters just kind of give us a little bit of um, overall information on how your brain is performing. Um, when you see somebody where it shows inhibited and it's really high, um, there's really only one area where this comes up in your maps. Um, and I'll go over that. I'm actually going to go over uh, some other things here in a minute on kind of personality. And I don't think that it'll be anything that your friends and your team and everybody will be surprised about. Um, but we'll talk about that a little bit and how that factors in here. Um, so in this case, it shows rumination, rumination and self-deprecation. The self-deprecation part comes up really high. You have that moderate for yourself. So these are your answers here. And this is the EEG finding. And we look for consistencies between how you rate yourself or what you see as an issue and what the EEG tells us. So uh, rumination. So again, you go into your your mind and you, you can get stuck in a loop on thinking over and over on something it needs to be resolved. And if it's not resolved, it doesn't go anywhere. It stays in that loop. Um, self-deprecation, probably you use that as a positive thing in your <laughs> career. Um, but you can be hard on yourself and maybe try to beat people to the punch on things that you perceive they're perceiving about you. I mean, everything and, you've said uh, so far is 100% inaccurate. I mean, <laughs> It's a hundred percent. Everybody give me a thumbs up in the background when I'm nailing it. Okay. Thank you. So, um, and we'll go over something that you guys will probably find very interesting, um, on why he doesn't necessarily see all these things, but you do, um, the local psychogenic, uh, by the way, (laughs) I hate to puff him up so much, but this is one of the cleanest maps that I've ever seen. I'm going to be honest. And I told him that at the time, it is a very functional brain map. And, um, a lot of the issues are more social issues versus brain issues. So this is a very functional brain and I can get into where, you know, if I was going to train this brain, what we would focus on. Okay. Um, local psychogenic, it's kind of looking for genetic markers. I've only seen this actually come up one time. I've had one person that came up with like a schizophrenia or something, um, uh, indicator, which it didn't show up and say schizophrenia, but nevertheless, um, I've only had one person come up. It's looking for more of, of genetic, uh, indicators, which there are none. So good to go. Hold on for a second. Can, can, is- can you go back to the, to the why, why is the hypervigilant red? That you, you marked that. So hypervigilance is a question that came up that you answered. You are hyper aware of everything going on around you at all times. Oh, that's true. Oh, the, also I should add there. The other part of this is not just the, the physical test, but there's a questionnaire okay. that you have to fill out Okay, that goes yeah. along with it. So I, I forgot. And we're going to gonna go over those here mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about those. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go okay. All right. So, okay, so this gives me an idea of how your brain is processing, communicating, and functioning. Um, Very, very strong brain. Um, However, attention comes up, which this is where we kind of had an interaction, and it was great that your wife was there because you said, no, I have no problems with attention. And she said, this is not true. He has problems with attention. So what happens especially, so men and women tend to differ in this, Um, 
men that are really, really functional and um, highly driven tend to, let's say we have plates full and we're young people and our plate is full. We're just managing everything. Everything's great. And in a relationship, um, men will tend to kick things off of their plate. So everything still seems so functional but they're, they're not doing as many things as they were before. And the woman is over here like piling the things he's kicking off onto the plate, whether it's social, emotional, relationship, you know, duties, things that are going on. So he'll t take on the things he can manage very, very well and kind of eliminate those things that maybe uh, he doesn't do well, which is functional for him. Um, so the attention seems to be okay. The other thing is that attention issues can be hyper attention. So he may get, you know, zoned in or honed in on one thing and hyper focus and kind of the other things don't, don't go. So he says, no, I don't see this. His wife says, I definitely see this. And that goes into one of the other findings that we have. And we'll talk about that in a minute, why he feels this way and, it's observed differently from the outside. Well, after, right. I, after well, after it was talked about and, and explained to me, I said, yeah, 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 yeah. I get that. It, right. There's yeah. like, I have a short attention span when it comes to people like just sitting there and the small talk and, you know, talking about stuff too much. Like I tell my wife that all the time, like she'll be in a phone call, this real estate world that she's in and, and they're just talking in circles about nothing. And I'm like, and all is your all, the whole phone conversation is just about a yes or no answer. But sitting there talking, repeating the same thing over and over again, just different ways, it doesn't make any sense to me. He could have done ten million other things other than doing that, you know. But I guess that's that's how the world is. I'm just not. He, he starts hearing Charlie Brown's mom at some point. Yeah. <laughs> So nevertheless, his, his brain processing is pretty strong. You've got some moderate things here. Motivation, motivation in comparison to other people is probably very, very high. Um, we're a very low made, uh, motivated society. So he is probably on the high end of that. But for himself, this shows low motivation. Okay. Uh -huh. um, yeah. Let's see. This I don't pay attention to because nobody's ever had green on that. I don't even know what that means. We don't care. So uh, declarative memory, let's see, procedural, sequential, so uh, short term. So these are moderate areas where um, if there are a group, if you're with a group of people who experience something and next year you talk about what happened, that event, your recall of the order of that event may not be sequential or you may not recall that properly. So everybody's like, no, that's not what happened. And you're like, yeah, so you can remember what happened, but in different pieces and then you throw in like you improvise areas and like you might either embellish it or add to it the way it sounds better in your mind. So, he lies. Is, That's what he does. Is there any way to <laughs> is there any way to edit this out of not only the podcast but of your guys' brains? No. <laughs> part of what makes you good at what you do so for every negative here there's a positive in why he's so successful because overall the truth is this is a, the brain map of an extremely successful person and i'll show you that in the questionnaires as well here in a minute so you know we'll it will deflate a little bit and then puff him back up so here oh, we go like military stuff. um <laughs> let's see um, some of these are not really a big deal. No ADHD, no classic ADHD. So if we're looking for like a classic ADHD and we talked about ADHD from my perspective a little bit versus what's out there. But in this case, we would be looking for theta, which is a slow brainwave to be much higher 
than beta. And we don't see that at least in the eyes closed. So there's no indicators of classic like ADHD, hyperactivity um, disorder, anything. So now we're going to look at the map. And I'm going to, I made some notes here. All right. So this is kind of what I would consider a cooler map. It's, you know, I would think that at one time um, it was probably not, you know, blue in these areas. This is, you know, with time, aging, stress, things like that. I know he has, um, he's someone with a lot of irons in the fire. Okay. So when you're looking at the low theta here, do you see this blue? This indicates um, low presence of this brain wave um, in comparison to what it should be. And is an indicator of um, (laughs) diminished emotional awareness, which is one of, you know, one of the reasons that, um, you know, you guys will see something that maybe he doesn't see. Um, So it's self-emotional awareness and the emotional awareness of others as well, which goes into another part that we'll talk about. So, um, again, once explained to him, he can see it, but he's not really going to spend a lot of time on on the connection of that emotion. He's like, okay, I get it. Thanks. That's good. Got it. Okay, bye-bye. And um, that's how he'll handle that. Um, It does indicate a little bit of uh, social distress, so a lot of um, decision-making, a lot of things on his plate, um, a lot of people to appease in a certain moment can cause this to happen as well. all right, this it, this alpha, and I'm going to show you the eyes open map. Um, this alpha is really intense. So him being an alpha brain or an alpha male is probably no surprise to anyone. Um, he, you know, he kind of will barrel through through things without, you know, considering um, how it affects other people in the immediate until they come back and, or push back and then he'll listen, right? So that's what that might look like in, in real life with, with Jason. This is crazy that... <laughs> The th- I mean, I also think it's very important to tell the audience is I I don't know Julia like well at all. Like, I mean, we met at a Christmas party at DDP's Diamond Dallas Page's house. We had a nice conversation, but unless she's a psychic, <laughs> you know, or a spy, like all these things. I mean, yes, I, I agree with I mean, it's just nuts how this this test is doing this. I'm looking at everybody's faces. And you guys are like, yep, not telling us anything we didn't know. Yep. <laughs> right. I figured that. Um, this this high alpha also represents something called perseverance. And perseverance is, is a really positive thing. Um, and I'll explain what the negatives can look like. So the positive part is if you get your mindset on something, you are not letting go. Um, you are going to stay with it until it succeeds. The negative part of that would be an example of doing CPR on someone when they are clearly gone. Um, and you are not going to stop CPR. So you can have things like that in your life, whether it's relationships, projects, jobs, you may have experienced that in the past and learned from it, but your tendency is to grab a hold of it and not let that go. So, so, um, so yeah, so it's, it's typically a positive thing uh, for a business person who's, you know, not going to quit. And that negative part is that it, you know, it can, it can exhaust you and be detrimental in some ways. Is that also, Um, is that also like holding grudges too? Yeah. Um, not letting go for sure. And that's also part of that rumination is until something you feel something is resolved. Um, it's in that loop in your brain. So So it just loops. I don't hold grudges just to feel angry. And, and I hate saying holding grudges because I know it's very cliche. I hold grudges to never forget 
on how a certain circumstance was because that circumstance might and will pop up again. That's why I hold grudges. Holding grudges is not good for you. Well, matter right. why there's you a, it. But there's a, I, I, that's why I say, I hate saying I holding, I, I, I want to say I don't hold grudges, but everybody would, you know, ah, that's not true. I don't hold your traditional grudge. I just don't forget because I don't want it to happen again to me or somebody. So that for, I you, for you, it's more like a brick wall than it is a, an emotional response or anger. It's just a brick wall where you've blocked it out and said, this isn't going to happen again. Um, That's what you know, but you know, again, that can be to a detriment as well because people change, <laughs> you know, you've changed. I'm sure people change and that can prevent, you know, but you're the kind of guy that's going to, you know, have a very uh, minimal inner circle anyways. Um, so it probably doesn't matter that much, but we'll get into this final part here that explains kind of why that's a thing too. So right. um, we do have some uh, sequential memory issues with, with some of this. So this shows overall just a cool map. Um, and if we switch over to eyes closed, it's also see how blue that is real, real low, um, in these areas. Um, so example, let's say someone has ADHD, the frontal lobe is going to be loaded with Delta and theta brain waves or even alpha because, um, it's a lot of slow brainwave activity and somebody's really in their head and not making good decisions. Um, there, it, it's also a very creative brainwave. Um, so even autistic people are really, really high in that, that, um, theta in the front when that's low, you can have issues with self quieting. Um, like when you close your eyes, you're immediately into what's next, got to do the next thing. Um, but it also can have some sequential, um, memory issues. It can have some, um, for instance, this low one here can have it. Remember when we talked about, I think I mentioned to you something I hadn't seen before sensory processing in relation to reading. And I had to put those pieces together and figure out what that looks like in life. Um, so what these things look like is when, when someone reads a story, they can put themselves there and they have <clears throat> a reaction or they can feel a sense um, of connection there you might struggle with having any kind of an emotional feeling or reaction when reading um, and may not connect with other people. Like, I don't suspect you would ever be in a book club, but if you were, everybody might be discussing something and you'd be like, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Mm. Um, you know, it's everything's <laughs> black and white kind of for you. So um, no, that no. aspect. Um, sequential memory, again, uh, recalling events in order, um, is not your strong point. And then the last one is going to be, so the temporal theta, so it's kind of low here, is also associated with uh, poor empathy. So, um, Go ahead. empathy, poor empathy, and I, I, so you described a few things like, well, I think I have empathy and you shared something with me. And of course I was cracking up. He did not say that. <laughs> I, it's what he said to me was, I, I'm not anyways, it was not an example of true empathy. I'll just tell you that. So lack of empathy is, you know, if, if, if somebody is sharing a really heartfelt story, he's going to stick to the black and white logic. Oh, that person's a survivor. That's awesome. But he won't, you know, be like, 
he won't refrain from maybe saying insensitive things or being able to connect what, with why someone is harmed by an insensitive thing that has been said. You know, he just doesn't connect with other people's emotional, you know, responses. Mm-mm-mm. Like calling ladies grandmothers? Yeah. Well, yep. the example I gave was a little different, but yeah. It was. The, the example was truly something that people should have empathy for but the way he felt it was not a true example of empathy it was a recognition and acknowledgement of the person's condition and there was probably a word or two i should have refrained from using okay makes sense Mm -hmm. (laughs) i laughed anyways so maybe we're all going to hell i don't know but anyhow let's let's go into this portion of it so we want to rule out um like high inflammatory markers and just make sure that this person doesn't have any obvious things that uh, metabolically are contributing to this so we've talked about hormones obviously that's an important factor i don't see any indicators of high inflammation going on here at all you mostly, you know, most people are inflamed. A metabolic score of 12 is really, really low. Um, if, you know, we can rule that out as a factor in the intentional problems or anything like that. Um, so we, people- one of the things that we talked about is the testosterone maintenance. And you found with your husband, he had an extremely low T level. And would you say that uh, most of the people that you've done this for, for, for actually therapy, neurotherapy, whether it be depression, PTSD, or anxiety, or any of those types of things, they had low testosterone levels? I mean, almost anyone over 30, any male or female over 30 at this point has low testosterone because our food does so much to increase estrogen levels. Um, So yes, uh, almost everyone. And what's considered normal in mainstream medicine is not considered normal um, to, I guess, holistic alternative or integrated medicine um, and integrative um, and functional medicine, if you will. You're looking at the age of the person, you know, the activity level of the person, the gender of the person, all of those things are taken into consideration where, you know, if you're at three or 400, they're like, oh, yeah, you're great. You're you're great if you're 80. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're, you know, a 30 to 50 year old person, you want to be, you know, eight to twelve hundred. Yeah. yeah. Which mainstream medicine will think is too high. Right. Um you know, so yeah. So for a trauma brain, you want a uh, thousand to twelve hundred. Okay, yeah, that's what that's what I was telling some people the other day. Just because obviously I'm a big fan of the testosterone maintenance, and I, I don't. I mean, there are very few people over the age of forty that I don't know that are taking it. I mean, it's it's such a thing, and it just does wonders for you. I mean, not only physically but mentally. It, it, yeah. it gives you much more clarity. So when you have deficiencies like an anxiety or a depression, like yes. one would assume that also your testosterone, your T levels contribute to that. Yeah. And you need vitamin D and pregnenolone and all of those other things to kind of make that T work as well, especially when we're talking about the brain. So like my husband, there were no, there are no other symptoms of low testosterone. I, I think we tend as a society, we think of like the reproductive system and, you know, and my husband's a big guy. He works out, he's muscular, uh, he's active, he builds things. 
Um, it was the cognitive side and the emotional psychological side that was at a severe deficit um, due to this and uh, due to the low testosterone. So, you know, look at, you know, a lot of men are like, oh, I'm in the gym and I'm buff. But if those receptors in the brain aren't sending the signal to create or to produce those pre hormones to make testosterone, it doesn't matter what you do. Yeah. You can't make the testosterone. Yeah. So. All right. So. This uh, performance rating is a, it's a self rating, and I've gotten permission to share these because this is like you know the the, the character and personality of the person. So we're gonna uh, go over this. So normal is where the red line is, and just so you know, um, our society normal is still high. So we're a high anxiety, high depression society. So even normal is kind of high, but you see. He's chill. He does not have anxiety and he is not depressed. He's pretty confident guy feeling pretty good. Um, so peak performers are the purple and self rating is the blue. Okay. And am I, you got some help with these, correct? Uh, yeah, right. Right. I did what you said. I'd, I'd reach. There were, there were a few of them that I changed because she made me. So, yeah. 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 And, and that was necessary due to the other factors of like, yeah, everything's good, you know, just not really, mm. you don't analyze yourself the way other people see you. Mm. And um, you're a pretty open book, so it's not hard. Yeah. Um, you know, relaxed, that's good. So, oh, just so you know, and we, we don't, won't have time to go over all of these. If you go through, you'll get this narrative, you'll be able to, this describes you, and some of these you may find conflicting, but need to be explained as this assessment really revealed the two sides of you. There's the professional you and there's the personal family you which are somewhat different in response okay so um you're fairly relaxed easygoing um you do well with people um not inhibited inhibited is where you would avoid social functions and you know your brain can get an overload and you lock down that's not you at all um pretty regulated where if you find yourself veering off um, into something emotionally or up and down, you can pull yourself and rein yourself back in logically and, and get back to the task. So you can regulate yourself. Now, impulsivity was high. We kind of talked about that before. Um, so you tend to be a little more impulsive than the average person. It's also part of that you know, success thing that you have, you're willing to try stuff, jump in and see how it goes. Probably as you get older, you start to dial that back a little bit. Very assertive, more than the uh, peak performer. So um, you Shocking. jump in and <laughs> if you want, like for instance, wanting somebody to be on your show, you just jump in and say, hey, this is what we're gonna do. I would like you to be on the show, be here at this time. You know, you just tell it like it is. Flexible and flexibility, just so you know, you're gonna wanna go through these because the word associated with the, um, the, the social or personality trait are often different. Um, flexible, you're very open to ideas from other people. Mm. So um, you're willing to listen and actually will welcome ideas um, from other people. You're open to that. Um, let's see. Let me get back to where I was assertive. Well, go, to that, go to that. Per, per, what does that say? Per, perfect. Perfectionist. Perfectionistic. Yeah. 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 You're way outranking the peak performer in perfectionism. So that's where that kind of self-deprecating would come in as well is um, you, you might look back at things that I could have done this better. I could have done that better. So you're always trying to stay ahead of something so that you don't mess it up. I'm going to carry this thing around like, like my COVID vaccine <laughs> card. And, 
and and so next time, you know, I'm working for somebody and they tell me what I already know, I feel like I have a, a medical condition that I can say, no, 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 wait a minute. I can't help what my brain wants. <laughs> Take a look <laughs> at this. <laughs> this is That's a medical. This is, I'm not doing this on purpose. Like, I'm not trying to do, I'm not trying to be a perfectionist. I'm wired this way. I'm wired this way. I'm just telling you that that person is incompetent. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) It's not personal. It's not personal. It's just black and white. It's the facts. And I got a paper to prove it. And if you don't believe me, call Julia Ferris. She'll tell you. (laughs) It does. It does help. Um, I know I do this with families with kids, and I'm able to help parents understand, like, your kid isn't just, you know, doing things to annoy you. Well, they are all kids are doing things to annoy you. Let me take that back. But some of the things that they're, you know, getting upset about are, you know, they're, they're wired that way. So we've got to, you know, pad that a little bit. Um, cooperative just means that you're a team player. You, you enjoy working with other people um, on projects and, and, and you do well with that competitive. So this, this, this could get you in trouble. Um, I definitely so I don't play any games at all. I don't do cards. I don't know any of that because I'm the least competitive. Um, I literally, I'm like, you know what? I'd rather cut off my leg than put the effort into competing with you. That's my personality. You are the opposite. You're like, give me your leg, your arm, everything. I'm going to win this. So (laughs) you are, this is very, you know, bulldozer. Um, Independence. So here's a funny one. So this is where there's two use. So independence and dependence, you come both up as independent. Okay. And I'm going to read that to you. You tend to keep yourself and focus, uh, keep to yourself and focus on getting things done. So you can work fine by yourself. You can nail it, get it done. You're good on your own. Um, and you're very efficient. Um, however, it says you're not concerned about how others see you until it's people that really, really matter to you. So people that you are very close to that matter to your life, there's a high emphasis on what they think or how they perceive you and what you're doing and how they think that will go. Hmm. So now that's these are the two parts of you. So that's a very unique duality that you have. That okay. You are, does that make sense to you? Highly independent in your projects. You can do things, get things done. You're great. You don't need input. Unless it bothers people that you care about that are really close to you. And then all of a sudden what they think can concern you and derail you a little bit. So That's what yes, what you're saying is, is absolutely true. There's a couple things that you've said in the last couple minutes that I can hear these brains, these, these hamsters <laughs> moving. And I, I think that it's, you know, like there is a, um, uh, uh, some people view me as not a team player or as 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 not the guy that's open to ideas but that's not true this this what you're telling what you're saying here because of this is absolutely true the mm-hmm. the, the problem that i always run into and this goes based on some of the other things that you've said julia is that when i'm part of a team and someone on that team is not contributing to the team i just omit them from life like you're, you're not going to bring me yeah. in the, but I'm very protective of the people that are loyal to me. Uh, and I am open to ideas if I trust that your idea is beneficial to the team. Um, the problem mm-hmm. that I've always had 
is that I never get enough contribute uh, uh, people to contribute to ideas. So then I'll just take the ball and run with it and do it on my own because I don't have time for them. If they're so not, what, yeah. So what that is is people how people perceive your assertiveness. People believe that other people think and perceive the way that they do. So if someone tends to be the person who, you know, struggles with like a, uh, an imposter syndrome, or they have really great ideas, but they're a self-doubting person, they're, if they're going to take your assertiveness as a deep judgment, whereas you're not thinking that deeply into it, you're taking their idea, processing it. It's either going in the compartment or it's going out the window and it's done in seconds and other people don't know how to take that. So they assume it's a, a judgment against them and that it's personal. And for you, very little is personal. Is there anything on here, the this brain mapping thing that says that I know best? Is there any line, any... Any data? Yeah, that that's where that competitiveness, oh, okay. assertiveness, uh, <laughs> where all of that comes in. You're going to run with it. So, um, and that lack of you know self uh, self emotional awareness and empathy that all plays into that. Uh-huh. Um, but again, as you age and you get to know people and have experiences, that kind of softens a little bit naturally. Okay. What about this? Especially uh, at the, in business, at the very bottom, the avoidant. What is that? Because that's low. You're not avoidant. Um, I'll explain that in these terms. Um, I don't know if it even Does that came mean up. he's confrontational? No, no. He's comfortable and confident um, interacting with other people. So people who have avoidant issues or avoidant personalities will not get themselves in situations where they could potentially be judged. They take things personal and believe that other people, you know, look down on them or, um, you know, they're just hypersensitive to being judged. And he jumps out there and he's like, I'm here, whatever. So I don't give a damn what you think. Yes, you do. Yeah, it's very confident. Actually, I do. Like for you, back to the dependence thing, that that is absolutely true for people that I care about. And, you know, I've always been a person pleaser for those that are loyal. Give the shirt off my back. Yeah. But the second you turn heel is the second that you're done. They're dead. Yeah. And I mean, Nate's, there's a laundry list of people that he could probably. (laughs) But that's where that grudge thing you were talking about comes in. And you're not, you don't, Mm. and it's not necessarily that, um, you are holding anger against them. You don't put the effort into um, letting them have another chance to show that they've changed because that's a lot of emotional effort and that's kind of not your thing. Not my thing. I agree with that. Not your thing. Not not, not, not my head. <laughs> <laughs> this is my head. Uh, you're, right. you're, you're over it when you're over it. Yeah. Right. That's, I'm, I'm kind of like that. I'm like, that was a bum leg. I'm just cutting that off and I go. Um, but I have a lot more empathy. <laughs> All right. So interesting here. Um, again, these are self ratings. So it's just picking up on you. So what I use this for this, this goes into your map and I've shown you that where it said, um, your answers next to the findings. Um, and your answers were very moderate. You have one area here in impulsivity. This could be sometimes a little OCD as well, like some, the perfectionist OCD type behavior, not clinical OCD or anything, but that's where I would expect to find that. Um, but this kind of, uh, this just, this would indicate slow brainwave activity. I didn't see a lot of that. So basically this is your answers. We take this symptomology and compare it back to the brain map 
and get, well, there's, here's a client view. So, and then we compare these side by side and these are the things that came up consistent. See? Gotcha. All right. So that's what that's for. So that's, that's essentially it. If I was going to train your brain, um, I would probably focus on attention and maybe balancing the right and left hemisphere to give you some more connectivity and clarity. And, um, it would, you know, people are always afraid that if I brain train them or like, well, you know, I'm real successful. Am I going to, you know, if you take away that drive, we don't take away your drive. We sharpen and people who, you know, don't really have a lot of psychological or emotional issues. We're sharpening and enhancing performance. So you have a high amount of athletes, soccer players, golfers, people like that that need precision that use neurotherapy for sharpening performance. So what, so. what, what would what would you do with me if I went to the next step? What I would do with you is I would create a protocol. Um, I would probably to help with, you know, because motivation, attention, things like that came up. I would probably work on enhancing this beta brainwave at what we call C3 and C4, which is sensory motor rhythm, which probably means nothing to you. Um, but it would help with communication between the right and left hemisphere and enhance focus, attention, memory, and create calm in the brain. So but, that's but what, 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 what I would you, do. What do you do to get that result? Oh, okay. So... I, you would attach the electrodes to, you know, the right and left side. You would have electrodes there, a ground wire, two ear clips. You would put on Netflix Prime or Disney, and I would run the protocol or the program. I would teach you how to do that. When that program comes up, there's an overlay, a dimmer, that would overlay your screen. And you would have an auditory bell tone and a brightening and dimming responding to your brain waves falling within the bracket. So we'll pretend that this is the bracket. You have a high and a low. When your brain waves are functioning within these thresholds, it's meeting these markers inside of there. There's a response on the screen and in the bell tone, your brain then tries to get that response over and over until it forms these strong pathways in the brain um, to accommodate that. So the, the cool thing is it's like riding a bike with training wheels as your brain strengthens that bracket's going to close in and the brain has to try to stay in this smaller bracket. It's like removing training wheels from someone riding a bike. Your brain learns to do this on its own and creates that permanent pathway or skill. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Now I've lost sleep over the next thing I'm going to say. Okay. What? Any questions for Julia? <laughs> <laughs> Was it anything with his test that you found unusual versus other people's that you've done? Actually, as driven as he is and having met him with the intensity of his personality, I was very surprised at how clean and relaxed this EEG was. This was a very clean EEG, you know, Oops, sorry. Uh, a lot of alpha here, which, you know, obviously that's going to go into some attention and, you know, some various things. But overall, this is a, a was a very clean EEG. And uh, he's a he's a pretty well-rounded person. He could use some you know emotional, social, what we call emotional intelligence. Right. Not everybody um, is designed the same. And where we lack in one area, somebody else is strong. Um, that's not his strong area. But other than that, this is a, a very successful person's brain map. If somebody came to me now, I am not putting this in your head because I 
we've had conversation and it's obvious that when Jason does something, he does it because he desires to for that person. But if somebody had narcissistic tendencies, they would also have a brain map with lack of empathy, lack of uh, emotional awareness, um, that assertiveness and competitiveness. Um, so these are things that if you go to the wrong person, um, they you don't want someone to label or diagnose these types of things. You want to use this as a marker and lean toward um, the strengths and positives of the person. And based on the other markers, I can tell that, you know, like I said, there's a personal um, version of Jason and there's a professional version of him or an external public person. And um, so that says to me that, you know, he's one way at work, he's cut and dry. And then he has um, that, that caretaking nature, like you said, for those that are within his circle. But that, you know, like you were saying, as you get older, some of these things would, would change just as you go through life, these things would change because I, I can tell you when I was younger, uh, like in high school, even maybe a little bit through college, uh, the empathy thing was very, I was, I was a very different person and I, th th I had something, I had a breakup, a very tragic breakup, you know, and it changed me. And like, I can remember the day that it changed me. And because of a certain situation that happened during that depression period, I turned into a different person that like overnight, I brainwashed myself to turn into a different person. So what this mapping is just a book report of the person that I became after that day. I was like, it was like a superhero I just turned into a different person. I had to, in order to cope with the depression. And that's the only time in my life that I've ever struggled with depression. And so, um, it's interesting because I, not that I, I, that I'm, that bothers me, but I know at that time I was in that category, very different. Well, it's, it's when you say book report of who you are now, yes, that's very true. Cause the brain through neuroplasticity changes through life experiences, through injuries, through, you know, positive and negative things. The brain changes. That's what neuroplasticity is. However, um, sometimes I can actually see where someone at their birth was delivered by forceps or by a vacuum. And those things kind of stay there. So there are some things that will mark you, you know, for life and, and start to cause issues. And everybody doesn't change as they get older. There are factors that come in there. Um, your assertiveness and competitiveness um, is that perfectionist is to always improve yourself. Everybody doesn't have that. Um, there are a lot of people that decline or they don't know that they have a hormone issue. Um, and they start on the medicine cycle, which has side effects. So there are a lot of factors that prevent people from maturing emotionally. Um, you know, obviously traumas and things like that. So, you know, those of us who do um, are very, very fortunate. And it's another reason why we kind of need to look to elders. I think our society, uh, we've stopped looking to elders for advice and we don't listen to them because we have Google. We don't have to go to, you know, great uncle so-and-so and his wisdom, you know, like the native people still do. Um, so kind of going to the elders because they have a lot of wisdom. And those of us who are younger driven people, we know it all and, you know, can get ahead of our so that's just, you know, some, some advice I have. Listen to the older people. Yeah. I like that. I agree with that too. Nate, I'm sure you've got a question for Julia. 
Uh, yeah, it, not even so much just about Jason, but like, um, you know, like as he was saying, he went through a traumatic experience at one point in his life and probably changed out who he was. What happens with your brain to do that? Like are neurons like firing differently or your is your brain morph? Like how does that like physically happen? There's two things. Number one is positive and negative hormones, right? So if you're flooding your body with cortisol, that's going to create a, excessive um, stress on the brain, you're going to be uh, producing like beta brain waves. So when your brain is in a certain state for an extended period of time, we condition our brain or wire our brain into a certain place. Well, what he did was implement, I'm assuming some uh, behaviors and routines on a regular basis that changed you. You changed your focus and you stayed with this rigidly and it wired your brain. Just like when I brain train, I'm doing something repetitively to tell the brain um, to change. Well, when you get into that state, you're conditioning yourself to do something. It's like, imagine that you want to beat a path through the woods because it's a better path. So you're used to going around through the rocks and through the river, but there's a better way if you could just get through the forest. Well, you, you start plowing through that forest and walking through it every single day, you suddenly have an easy pathway, right? So it retrains or rewires you. And that does that make sense to you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that does make so, sense. So that's, that would be like on the neuron side. And then that there's the hormones when you're doing something productive and getting positive rewards in your life, it releases chemicals, hormones, dopamine, things like that. And um, that changes your brain as well. I would assume, you know, like when I say I brainwashed myself, I, I feel that I have the power to do that. If, if there's something that I need to move on from or disconnect myself from, especially if it's, if it's hurting me, then I isolate myself, you know, not from the world, but just from that, um, you know, hence not talking to my mother for 17 years or my brother, there was just too much negativity that I didn't want in my life. I, I realized my way of life was worse with them in it at the time. Uh, not that I didn't miss them or, you know, still with my brother have that relationship, but I just knew that's what was best. So I trained my brain to do that. The breakup, I trained my brain to do that. I would assume people that are master manipulators or compulsive liars have that same ability, you know, and almost unknowingly it gets to a point where, you know, you use the, the bike reference where now you're just going downhill without brakes and you can't yes. stop where they're, they think, a certain way either about themselves or their way of life and they're delusional, but they've trained their brain to think that way. Yeah. And, and you do have the psychological component. So like um, when you're talking about like people with bipolar disorder or borderline personality or, you know, narcissism, um, some of those are personality traits um, in that that a person is is prone to, and they actually have to work very hard. Like an imagine an addiction. Um, let's just use food. Food is an addiction, right? So when you're you know overeating or doing eating the wrong things or doing the wrong things, you have to stay away from those things to retrain your body because you're going to be starving in the beginning. So it's something that someone has to actively do. Now, someone with borderline or narcissistic tendencies need a lot of therapy. Um, you know, the brain training will help because it reduces those um, manic behaviors, um, the extremes. 
However, it requires a lot of therapy because there's a mindset, a worldview, and a way of thinking that has to change because that self-awareness isn't there. And there that the understanding of their impact on others is something that is uh, distorted. So that's a psychological side of it. And that's why I say like when I diet, I don't diet. You know, it was a joke on the radio show that it was a lifestyle change. But there yeah. is a difference between the two. And what you're saying is is 100% accurate. You know, at the beginning of any weight loss, it's it's miserable because you're so addicted to certain foods that are unhealthy for you. My 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 kryptonite is trail mix, but I I put it in a large cup, you know, a large red solo cup. That's got sugar from the M and M's. It's just too much, and I'll pack on weight so fast if I'm having you know a cup of trail mix a day. But I love it, you know, and 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 but I'll sit there and I'll go okay. I can't do that anymore. I've just put on five pounds and I know why I'm putting on the five pounds. I can train my brain to say, no, none of that. It's not happening, you know, um, but you can easily fall back into it by just right. allowing it. It's like a vampire allowing it to come yeah. into the house. And then your brain forgets that you've trained it not to like it. Exactly. Very but you have to take into consideration that in general, you are generally speaking a healthy person. And then you have people like, let's take, I'll use myself an example. Um, so just putting this out there because I'm a huge proponent for stopping people from doing this. I had breast implant illness poisoning. Okay. I became very, very sick. I have severe hormone disruption, endocrine system disruption from it. So I hired a trainer I had gained and I'm still up 50 pounds. I gained a ton of weight. I used to work out six days a week, real active, my fatigue. I mean, I feel drugged half the time. So I got, I hired a trainer. I uh, went on a macros and calories diet for three months, gained an entire clothing size, 15 pounds, and was like, I'm going to the Italian restaurant, I'm drinking wine, I'm eating pasta, and I'm eating cookies. So, you know, it's, it's you're, you're taking a, a generally healthy person mm-hmm. um, in your case. So you have to, you have to gauge things that the... <clears throat> the level of support that needs to be there. So like somebody comes to me that has a long history and they need to do something, they're going to get the neurotherapy, but I'm going to ask them, are you in therapy? You know, are you doing these lifestyle things? If you're not willing to make the lifestyle changes and get, you know, guidance or let me do life coaching with you, then this may not be effective because you're going to keep falling in the trap and you're going to keep that door open basically that allows you to be unwell. Now, there's a twist to this conversation with Julia, and that is we also mapped Brandon's brain, and the results came back, no data. It just couldn't read. And I watched this go down. The equipment actually started smoking. It started an electrical fire in my house. Uh, before Some people, there's just nothing we can do. Before we let Julia go, Brandon, do you want to get in here? Do you got anything? You got a question for her? Yeah, uh, I guess what's the likelihood or probability that Bailey hits his head and he just kind of snaps and goes crazy? <laughs> the probability? Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. Some people hit their head and, you know, all of a sudden they're the coolest, easiest going people on the planet. So who knows? Start speaking French. But the probability French. of hit, him hitting his head probably is is more related to uh, you guys interacting with him. So <laughs> I think he's asking is any of the results have any signs of serial killer. I think that's what he's asking. Yeah, not, not so far. I don't see anything there. And if, if it did, you know, that would be a private conversation. I'd warn the family first. <laughs> uh, I, I can't tell you 
how appreciative I am of you. And I'm so happy. I know you, I think you are one of the, if not the most, uh, interesting people that I've ever met in my life. Uh, your story, what you do, this brain thing. I'm so into the the brain and I mean, I, I'm not like school smart into the brain, just life smart into the brain. Um, and, and that situation that I was telling you about with the breakup was a defining moment in my life. And, and that's when I first was, was able, there were, there were two times during that period of my life that I started to, to realize that I had control over my brain and the power uh, over my body. And one was built, one was almost overnight confidence for playing football that totally changed the way I played. Like I was a night and day athlete on, on the football field, my junior to senior year. And it wasn't because of like this miracle of talent. I was never the most talented guy, um, but it was confidence. And I got that through training my brain. Uh, and also with the breakup, because of a very traumatic breakup and experience and over time, I turned into a different person. Uh, for better or for worse, but I turned into a better, a different person. So this is all very fascinating. I, I highly suggest, especially, I mean, I did this for entertainment purposes. I mean, I'm not, I don't have anxiety or depression or PTSD or anything like that, but this can really help you. And I know we have a lot of ex-military that listen to the show because I know them personally. They're my friends. And I know some of you have gone through some really dark days to the point where you didn't want any more days in your life. I just hope that you'll reach out to Julia just to have a conversation with her. Uh, and you can go through the website, Neurotherapy Centers, with an S, USA.com, NeurotherapyCentersUSA.com. Just reach out to Julia and have a conversation with her just to see if she can help. And, I, and I'm pretty sure she'll be able to. All right, Julia, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Absolutely Welcome. fascinating. I'll talk to you soon, too, all right? Thanks. Hold up. Wait a minute. Let's hear from our sponsors. I absolutely love the relationship that I have with Nuberty's men's wellness facility in Sandy Springs, Georgia. I've been going there for, I guess now two years for testosterone maintenance, and it's totally changed my life. As a 47, almost 48-year-old man, I have the testosterone of somebody in their young 20s, and I feel great, and I look great too, if I do say so myself. But it's more than that. It's dieting. It's getting your life back on track. It's longevity so you're around for your family, your kids, your friends. So I need you to go to menswellnessleague.com. Schedule an appointment right there on the homepage. You schedule an appointment. I'm in there once a week, and I see a lot of you two percenters up there, and it makes me feel good that you're doing something about your health. And you can get that wellness combine for only $99 because you are a two percenter. That's $200 off the regular price. Plus, if you sign up, you'll get a complimentary vitamin cocktail valued at $150. You'll get a full body detailed assessment and analysis from their board certified staff. When you schedule that call, make sure you mention the BS to get this deal. Menswellnessleague.com. All right, full disclosure, yes, Rachel Guy, Rachel the Realtor Guy is my wife. On top of that, she's one of the best realtors in Atlanta. Uh, she's, well, not just Atlanta, in the whole state of Georgia. I see her all the time driving all over the place for a lot of you two percenters, which I'm totally cool with because she's finding you, some of you, your first house, some of you, your second house, whatever it may be. Everybody's happy when they use my wife to find a house. She's a realtor with Coldwell Banker, so if you're looking to buy or sell, just give her a buzz. 
Her name is Rachel Guy, and she's your guy. See what we did there? 404-797-4600. That's her private number. Don't get weird on her. Don't get weird on me. 404-797-4600. You want stress-free buying and selling in a really crazy market. So get a hold of her also by email. I am Guy at gmail.com. And back to you, Jason. All right, I had to send her. She's not here anymore. Nikki D, I had to. She didn't make any of those noises during the interview, but something wrong with her stomach. I think she's in an acapella group, and she makes weird noises for the group. <laughs> it's like those demons in Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> Call her Grinder. <laughs> That's her nickname in the group. <laughs> so it'll just be me, Nate, and Brandon. We'll let Grinder go. Sure, make sure you make sure you reach out to her on social media and say what's up, Grinder. Sure, she'll appreciate that. <laughs> you following all this drama with the uh, Lisa Marie Presley death, which is very very sad. She was what like fifty four years old, passed away. Mm-hmm. They're keeping the uh, autopsy reports uh, a little tight lipped. I mean, you know, she went into cardiac arrest. I think she went into twice, and then they just did not resuscitate uh, on the second time in the hospital, but. One can assume that drugs, alcohol played a huge role in this. But think about, you know, Lisa Marie Presley is the only offspring of the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley. And Priscilla's still alive. She's in her 70s. Kind of stays out of the public eye for the most part. But, I mean, think about that. Like, if you were that big of a deal, if you were Elvis, right? And he knew he was a big deal when he was alive. But you, if you were Elvis... Or that big in general, wouldn't you want as many children as possible? Like I'm nobody. We're all nobodies in the in the whole scheme of things. So to have a legacy doesn't really mean much to me. That's why I decided, you know, I don't need biological children. I became a stepfather, even though Rach asked me before she got the hysterectomy. I was like, I'm not that important. I'll never be that important. There's no reason for a legacy to live on. That's just how I looked at it. But if I'm Elvis. I'm having a lot of children. That's why I think Nick Cannon, not that he's iconic by no stretch of the imagination, but, you know, he's somebody. He's like, I want to leave a legacy. I'm having 50 different kids with 50 different women. And he pays for them all, from what I understand. So that's pretty cool. But wouldn't you want a lot of kids if you were Elvis? Maybe he had uh, problems. Like PP problems? Yeah, maybe he didn't have enough juice in the tank. Uh, the, the, the story is, is that even though, I mean, he was with all the leading ladies at the time that was like, and I'm not an Elvis and officiate uh, Elvis aficionado by no stretch, but, um, the, the, he had, you know, affairs allegedly, supposedly with like Ann Margaret and, and all the leading ladies at the time, the really good looking lady ladies at the time. And he was, I think kind of forced into the Priscilla Presley thing. And she had stated, I think she'd written a book at one time, something like where he wasn't that aggressive in the bedroom. He didn't really do all that much. And it wasn't until he found out that she cheated on him that he was aggressive, like forcefully aggressive, saying something like, this is how a man makes love to a woman or something like that. Um, Because she was really young when they met. She was like 14 or 15. You know, that was a thing back then. Let's find a kid, you know. Very weird. Would not be accepted today. Not in today's world. Just would not be accepted. Um, and if Elvis is the king, kind of going back to our conversation we are having in the first day, if he's, he's the king of rock and roll, 
Why don't rock stations ever play Elvis? <laughs> Why don't have you ever noticed that radio that like radio stations don't even play Elvis? Yeah. And we talked about the same thing with like the Beatles too. Like they're supposed to be like one of the founders of rock and roll, but yeah, they don't really play them on just even on a classic station. Yeah. Isn't that strange? If everybody yeah. uses like those bands and those artists as the bar of influence in the genre. And you never hear them anywhere. They're not, to the best of my knowledge, now, not necessarily the Beatles, but Elvis, I can only think of, and I'm sure a lot of people have covered Elvis's music, but I can't think of, other than one band and one song, that's a successful Elvis cover. And that would be... Um, uh, fool. Russian that song by you before oh yeah uh can't help falling in love yeah I can't help falling like that was an Elvis song right that was an original yeah okay uh, yeah I mean I think so yeah I, see, I don't I don't know either I mean if you want to look at but UB40 covered it and I love UB40 they did a great job red red wine and they did it and they were successful with, with covering it. I can't think of another band that's covered an Elvis song. And you would think if you're the king of rock and roll and everybody knows Elvis, even if you don't know Elvis, you know, Elvis, right? You know, Elvis songs, there's still things dedicated to Elvis. There's still a community of people that celebrate his birthday every year. I mean, he's got a fan base bigger than some artists that are popular today still. Cause he's Elvis freaking Presley, you know, for a guy that never traveled uh, outside of the country, th that's crazy that, that he became what he became. And this was his only child that we know of. That's another thing, because you wonder if he had more kids. Probability is pretty, pretty high, right? Oh, yeah, I bet. Yeah, because he was probably just banging chicks when he was younger. So he has to have some kid he doesn't know about or didn't say anything about. Right. Did they have condoms back then? I don't think so. Yeah. You just had to no pull birth out. control, no condoms. No, you just had to pull out. Definitely got to be a little Elvis's. Yeah. Elvis I, right. And you would know if you were a kid of yeah. Elvis. You look like that. That dude's very unique looking with the jaw structure and all that stuff. You'd know if you're Elvis's kid. Yeah, unless you were adopted, you thought you just were birthed by an ogre. He, even Lisa Marie, well, Lisa Marie looks a lot like her mother. Lisa Marie looks more like Priscilla than she does Elvis, but she's got something in the jawline that, uh, you know, but her story is very interesting. And like the drama that's going on now to go back to the start of this conversation is that her death. Um, now they, there's going to be a, a court battle for the twin daughters. So uh, let me, let me pull this up. So let me get this, get this right here. Um, I guess, see, where is it at? Uh, oh, man, I didn't put the, the link in there. So the father of the daughters is a guy by the name of Michael Lockwood, and he's an American guitarist and a producer, and um, he's performed with a lot of big artists over time. You know, I don't, I don't know who he is, but I guess he's a thing. Um, and they had twin daughters in 2008. And then in 2016, Lisa Marie filed for divorce after being married to this guy for 10 years. 
And in 2017, the couple's kids were taken into protective custody. This after Lisa Marie Presley stated that she witnessed inappropriate images of the children on this dude's personal computer in a divorce court filing challenging requests for spousal support from this guy. The divorce was finalized in May of 2021. Um, then this guy married Stephanie Hobgood in uh, uh, 2022. Just a whole, like, everything about this is fucked up. So then there's this guy um, that's Danny Keough, and he's an artist, musician, done some acting, and he and Lisa Marie he was uh, married to Lisa Marie Presley, I guess, before. Um, and then they, 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 they met at a drug rehab when Lisa Marie was a teenager. So he's getting in the picture because he feels that he's been a part of this. I think, am I getting that right? Yeah, I'm getting that right. Yeah, yeah, he was the first husband. He was the first husband, right. But the twins are with this, this Lockwood guy. And, and that's going to be, but then Priscilla gets involved. Like Priscilla's like, I'm going to take the kids. So, which I would, you know, I mean, I, but in California, it should automatically go to the biological father, I guess. So I don't know. It's kind of a screwy situation. You, you wonder if her kids, do you think her kids, like if you're married into a, a, a family like that in your grand, uh, would be yeah, your grandfather, right? Elvis would be their grandfather. Yeah. 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 It, it, do you think they realize like that Elvis was their, like that's Elvis Presley's my grandfather. Uh, how old are they? Uh, well, shit. What did I just say? They were born in, um, I don't know. Were you not paying attention? I, I forget. I just told you the dates that they were born. Um, well, they, uh, her, that husband, she was, she was married in 2006 to him. So yeah, 2008, 2008, they had the kids. So trying to find the story here, but do you think that the, the kids know how important it is kind of like Michael Jackson's kids? I think Michael Jackson's kids grew up knowing that their dad was Michael Jackson, like Paris Jackson. And, and those kids, you can tell when a kid knows who their famous parent is. Right. And you can tell like also how they either appreciate it or they, they, they kind of rebel against it. You know, um, one of Tom Hanks's kids kind of rebelled against it. He's an outcast. He says stupid shit. He's like, wants to be a rapper. He wants to be this. He wants to be that. But then you take Taylor Hawkins' kids, uh, kid, and you can tell he's just appreciative of what his dad gave him, and he knew his dad was a great drummer. Yeah, it seems like a lot of the people we've interviewed and we ask them about their kids, they, they're like, if they know who they are, they they always say that their kids think that they're they're just dad and that they're nerdy or whatever. And they'll make fun of him. Didn't uh, Scott Stapps uh, yeah. say that his, uh, his kids make, make fun of him and imitate his voice. Yeah. That that's the one I was going to give when you said that when we had, uh, I think we had him on, not on this podcast, but for the shoot to grill one. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, he was like, yeah, they, cause I asked him, I was like, you know, do your kids know who you are and what you, what you did and all that stuff. And he's like, yeah, they make fun of me. They'll go back and they'll, they'll look, uh, They'll, they'll look at the old stuff and I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, do they, you know, do they make, make fun? I think that was the best part of the interview. Actually. He's like, do they make fun of you? And he's like, Oh yeah, they make fun of me. They'll go around the house and make fun of you. <laughs> yeah. She went into full cardiac arrest. 
She complained Aren't, about severe stomach pain only hours before. That's so sad. Weren't they at like the Golden Globes like two days before? Yeah. And there's pictures of her and she did not look healthy. She looked pretty bad. So. Did it say, I'm sorry if I missed this. Did they say what she died of yet? Cardiac arrest, but they won't. The, the autopsy is complete, but there's, well, no. Because the cause of death is being delayed for now. Is that, okay. That's not normal, she was, though. She was already in the hospital, though, right? So something was going on. No. This happened, I think, at her house. They took her to the hospital. She went into cardiac arrest at her house. They, so I don't know who did, but they say they, they got her breathing again. And then they took her to the hospital, and she went into cardiac arrest again. And then the family signed over the DNR. Do not resuscitate. And she died. Uh. It all happened very, very fast. She was beautiful. I mean, when she wasn't all hopped up on drugs and shit, she was really, really beautiful. So it was her ex that supposedly Danny Keogh guy, he performed CPR until the paramedics got there. And then the first responders were able to get a pulse. They administered at least one dose of epinephrine, epinephrine, uh, but she died at the hospital later, surrounded by family. Her family signed a DNR. Mm. She eventually led, what that led, they when they signed the DNR, she had a cardiac arrest, the second uh, second one, and that's what killed her. Mm. Can can your family just do that? Like if you're, I mean, I guess she had to give power of attorney or something to someone. I mean, who makes that decision? Just like I don't really know if she wants to live. We'll just go ahead and put her down for no. Y- yeah, it would be. Yeah, it would be your fa- my 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 mother who talks about death a lot to me she gave me paperwork about everything where she's buried how she's buried all this stuff and i have power of attorney over that was part of us reconnecting and i don't know if there's more to this story i know that she's got some medical things going on but she's got dnr i think i have dnr in mind too i like when i made my will i gotta go through that because i might want to change a few of those things the, the advancements of technology, you got to go through your will every couple of years because you might be able to squeeze out a few more years in a healthy way. <laughs> but I think I put DNR in my will. I think I have that in my will. They'd be like, I mean, we can wake him up and he'll be perfectly fine, but it says D- DNR, so I uh, guess we'll let him go. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. It's like, oh, no, 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 he's going to be fine, but the paperwork says just the DNR him. <laughs> No, no, no. Well, only he can change that. And like, you can hear them, but you can't say anything. You're like, (laughs) Brandon, how do you know her? Because I mean, obviously I know she's Elvis's daughter, but the only thing I I know about her is she's, she was married to Michael Jackson. Like from growing up, that's all I remember. Nothing else about her. Brandon, did you even know who she was? Yeah, no, I mean, I really didn't, even though he still had a daughter. And then I just saw that clip of, of them at the Golden Globes. And I was like, oh, shit, I didn't realize, you know, he had a daughter and his ex-wife still alive. I didn't, I'm out of touch with Elvis and his life. Isn't that crazy? Like, have you seen the movie, the Elvis movie that came out, I think, last year? No. Uh-huh. Yeah. You would, it's weird. You would think that as big as Elvis is, right? I mean, it doesn't get bigger than Elvis. I mean, you can make the argument that Elvis is bigger than Michael Jackson. And Michael Jackson was the biggest thing ever. 
Like Michael Jackson was the king of pop. And Elvis was the king of rock and roll. But there more people, I think, know more about Michael Jackson than they do Elvis. Yeah. Well, Michael Jackson was a worldwide right. sensation. Sure. Elvis wasn't as, as much, you know, as we learned. And, and you find out the reason for that is that the Colonel Parker ruined it for him. Like, he could have gone worldwide. He wanted to go worldwide. But uh, the Colonel was a snake, snake, <clears throat> really, really bad person. And his whole career was mismanaged, but yet he still was the king of rock and roll. Do you think that marriage was a sham? Like, were they really attracted to each other? Michael Jackson? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's weird. Just to say. I think it was a publicity stunt. I know somebody. God, I wish I remember who told me this. This was like a couple degrees, but there was somebody that worked for the New York Knicks organization that when Kim Kardashian married, what was the guy's name? Chris Thompson or Chris something or another, the basketball player, years ago. Uh, Clay Thompson? It wasn't Clay Thompson. Wait, who married him? Kim Kardashian. Oh, uh, was it Chris, Chris Humphreys? Chris Humphreys, thank you. So when she married Chris Humphreys, Kim Kardashian's mother called up the New York Knicks and said, my daughter wants to date a basketball player. Do you have anybody that's interested? And nobody wanted a piece of it. And then Chris was like, I'll do it. And he did it. And they had a good marriage. So it was like a publicity kind of thing. That's what I heard through somebody that knew somebody in the organization. But that's that world. That's how that works. You know, you date for attention. You date for publicity. It's like kings and queens, right? Like in other countries and princesses and princes. It's almost like arranged marriages. Sure. You know, because you're both going to be mutually beneficial of each other's fans, right? You're going to win a fan base over. Sells more records, sells more albums, uh, sells more movie tickets, whatever the case may be. And, and and then people get called up in your story. So why wouldn't you want to do it? And then you get some people like, I ain't dating anybody in the business. It's not happening. Like, I don't think I could, da- like, I could have never, I couldn't have married somebody in the radio business. Can another radio, two radio personalities. I don't know how that works. Like, there's some, oh, morning, yeah. there's some morning shows. This husband and wife doing the show. Hell, that's a hard no. Hard yeah. no. I see those and I'm like, I don't know how y'all make that work. Because <laughs> good luck. Now, I could work with my wife and I understand how people can work together. But it's got to be the right setting. It's got, everything's got to be good about it. That's not, that's not, that's not very good. But even the Priscilla Presley marriage to Elvis, I read that, you know, there's some question marks behind that. If that wasn't forced for attention, because Elvis had to go through a transformation at one time and, and become a, it was the new and improved Elvis. It was the all American boy Elvis. And, you know, and then he goes to, to goes and does the Christmas special dressed in all black leather, you know, that famous black leather outfit that he wore on that special and that went against everything that they were supposed to do. And he did more than just Christmas songs. So, like, if you watch the movie, I knew none of this stuff until I saw the movie. Um, but he did that because he was like, I'm making a decision for me. And I feel like this is the right thing to do. And I got to show the real Elvis, not this phony Elvis that they want me to be. Yeah, and it looks like she... Uh... Yeah, well, and she was also in the, the Naked Gun movies too, right? 
She was like an oh, actress. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so she was kind of like looking for fame and attention a little bit. But I'm reading after she got divorced from Elvis. Um, she's had a bunch of different marriages. One of or, um, uh, she was dating a bunch of different people, and one of them was Robert Kardashian. So, so maybe there is something to this uh, kind of theory that she's just kind of looking for that that fame connection. Yeah, they just they, they just swap each other's wives. It's just so weird. <laughs> Can you imagine working with like one or two people that slept with your wife? <laughs> it's just so yeah, odd. That would be, <laughs> yeah, that'd be strange. You know, it's not like us normal people that the chances of us running into our wives, you know, at least mine, me and Nate's case, because Brandon's not married, but like running into an ex is far and few between. It might happen, but it's going to be very coincidental. If you're in that business, everything is very incestual. Like, yeah, I'm doing a movie with your ex-husband. You know, the one you did a porn with, you know, like Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee. Get the next guy, the, like she's married now to like an older guy. That's, I don't think a celebrity or anything. You have to be a really confident man to go into that cave knowing what's been parked there, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's nuts. You have to perf- you have to be a maniac to perform like that. You know, some of these, whether it's true or not, the persona from some of these celebrities that put it out, like Nicki Minaj or Cardi B, that they're these sex maniacs and lick me and suck me and do all these different things. Like, I would be intimidated. You know, you look at the men that they're with and you're like, dude, you better be, like, you must be really good and satisfying. I don't know if I buy it. I think it's all gimmick. Yeah, yeah, I can't imagine. It's, or even just like porn stars. I think we've t- talked about that before. Like, I can't imagine being the boyfriend or a husband of a porn star where not only do you know where the what other guys have been with her, there's guys still with her currently and you're watching it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You coming to work today, honey? You're going to bring me lunch? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, um, I got the, the butt scene at noon. So if I usually get really hungry after the butt scene. So if you want to come in about one, the butt scene's going to last an hour. Yeah, this guy's amazing. You know Fred. He, he just <laughs> he just lasts forever. Oh, Fred was over last weekend. Oh, nice guy. Nice guy. Really nice wife. Love his wife. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Sarah, Sarah, very, really nice, really nice girl. <laughs> Weird, what? <laughs> yeah. No refried beans after the butt scene. Something more substantial. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't want Taco Bell. Please. No, 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 no. So, something a little bit more. Lighter, please. Thank you. Yeah, I got to work later. I got to work later. Thank you very much. <laughs> so anyway, I don't know. It always makes me sad. Not that, again, I was a big Elvis fan. I can appreciate Elvis. Not that I was a big Lisa Marie Presley fan. But when I see this stuff and it's like the last offspring of, or the only offspring of Elvis is dead, the lineage is no longer, well, I well, that's, I guess that's not true because she has kids. She's got twins. So the bloodline. Yeah, yeah, she has four kids. Okay, she has four kids. So the bloodline's still there. But it's it's not like if Elvis had five kids or six kids, right? You would have yeah. those direct bloodlines to you. You know, that would die eventually, of course. But, uh, you know, and then you have these four kids, and God knows what will happen to them. So, I don't know. Very sad. I get sad about stuff like that. I really do. All right. Uh, better with fuck. I'm going to, oh, God, I got to bring up my trivia. Oh, and Nikki's not here, which sucks. Um, so this week's Better With Fuck is, because we were just talking about Lisa Marie Presley, is Famous Lisas. All right, Famous Lisas. Their real name, 
Okay, they're they can be actresses, artists, um, journalists, uh, strippers, uh, motorcycle riders. They can be anything. They're just famous Lisas. That's what this week's episode's going to be. Whatever we do, it's better with. Fuck! What? Everything's better with the. Fuck! And if you're ready to give a fuck about your health, then make sure you check out our friend, Chef Erica, EricaNicoleDay.com. She is an experienced culinary medicine consultant. She's a private chef with a medical and high-end restaurant background. She is available for consulting on meal planning for weight loss, helping with medical conditions or strict macros for bodybuilding, fitness training, you name it. That is Chef Erica. Erica with an E, NicoleDay.com. EricaNicoleDay.com. All right. Uh, Nate, Brandon, you're going to score 1 to 10, 10 being the best. The winner gets played again, and then after you score, you will be able to guess on the famous Lisa. I'll give you a point for the name, all right? I'll also give you a point for something about them, okay? Since the the dates don't really play into to, to, to this. So you just got to give me something interesting about them, and I'll give you another point, all right? Got it. All right. Here's the yeah. here's the first one. Hey, I got a question. If you had to pick one of us to fuck, who would it be? I don't know. Me neither. Rachel. <laughs> I don't know. All right. There we go. That's the first one. Nate, give me a score. Uh, I like it. it. Was a good start. I will give it a seven. Seven. Not that great of a start, Brandon. Yeah, I'm also going to go with a seven. All right. A seven. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Lisa Kudrowens. Okay, Brandon, you get a point for Lisa. What did you say her name was? I'm sorry. Kudrow. No, you're not getting the point. Sorry. What? Kudrow. No, Kudrow. <laughs> What's that? Lisa Kudrow. Yes, there you go, Nate. Nicely done. What? <laughs> it's not Kudrow. Shit. How would you like me to call you Brunden? Kudrow. <laughs> is that not her name? No, it's Kudrow. Kudrow. Oh, right. That's like fucking Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> hey, quiet down, Broomden. <laughs> Bro- hey, just call me Broomden. It's fine. Just mess up my name. Uh, any interesting thing? What did you say, Nate? You said friends, so I'll give you a point for that one. There you go. Uh, you got she two. plays herself. She plays her own twin. Uh, I'll, give, I'll give you a point if you can tell me her character's name and friends. Phoebe is her name, and the other one is... No, 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 no. I need the full name. Phoebe Buffet? Well, very good. You sure it's not Buffo or whatever? All right. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yes, Phoebe Buffet. Friends. You want a point for the years that Friends was on the air? Uh, 94 through 2001. Mm. Damn. 95 through 2003. Oh, shit. 94 through 2003? 94 through 2004? Woo! <laughs> All right, they got three points out of that. Uh, I'll give you another point if you can tell me the A-list actor today that played Phoebe's boyfriend for a few episodes that was very, very wealthy. And when he took her home to meet his parents, it was extremely awkward and uncomfortable. Paul Rudd. Another point there. Nicely done. 
Sorry, Brandon. <laughs> True or false? Brad Pitt made a cameo appearance in Friends. True. There you go. Nicely done. Here's Rachel's boyfriend. Remember that. There you go. Because they what in real life? They were married. They were dating. There you go. You get another point. Nicely done. <laughs> I feel like this is the episode of Friends where Joey's like loses all his money and Chandler just makes up that random game. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh yeah. you got the two cups. Oh, nope, you flipped it and you got the double. You win. <laughs> all right, here's the second clip. You say I only fuck what I want to. Fuck. All the time. So. All right. Scale of one to ten. Um, I will give that a nine. I like the the first fuck. That was really funny. All right, Brandon. Yeah, I like how it just flowed in there. I'll give it an eight. All right. Three, two, one. Lisa, Lisa Jackson. <laughs> Nate, Lisa Jackson. <laughs> Flex Lisa Jackson. Uh, anything uh, else about Lisa Loeb? Um, I think that song was in Reality Bites. Very good. Yeah. She, she has a beautiful singing voice. Yes, but <laughs> what's the name of the song? Today. You say. Magical way. Take advantage of all Nate's frozen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, arms Stay, of an I angel. missed you. There you go. He's back. <laughs> you even the had arms the, of an angel. You even had the advantage. He was frozen in time for like an hour. <laughs> you know your name. You think I was going to know the name of the song? You could have Googled it in that time he was frozen. <laughs> uh, it is the... First number one single for an artist without a what? Penis. Well, yes. But record deal. Yes, record deal. Record, <laughs> recording contract. Nate's killing you. Nate's got eight. Brandon's got four. How do you spell lobe? L-O-B-E. L-O-E-B. There you go. L-O-H-B. Nate gets another point. Uh, there's also another band that's a part of this song, if memory serves. And what number is in that band? Six. <laughs> what number? Oh, eight, six, seven, five, three, oh, nine. Wait, what was the, the clue again? There's a band also part of memory serves. Wasn't there a band? It was Lisa Loeb and her band. And there's a number in that band. Three Musketeers. <laughs> 69? 21 Pilots. Uh, Make sure I'm right on that. Well, are we guessing a number here? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. One, two, three. 17. <laughs> 20. 80, 85. 101. Hold on. Let me get my German friend to help you. Nine. Nine. <laughs> there you go. Nine stories. Ah, uh, okay. Lisa I didn't Loeb that. And nine stories. Yeah. All right. Um, all right, enough points there. Let's get to the last one here. Last clip. But wow. she knew I love Prince. Well, it seems like a normal call. Why wouldn't you give out? Exactly. So 
he gets on the phone and I hear this voice, you know, this kind of soft voice, and it was him. I could tell clearly. And he asked me if I wanted to <laughs> him. So I'm like, yeah, yes, I would love to. All right, go ahead and write that, please. Uh, I will give this one an eight. I like the last one better, but the better than the first. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with a nine on this one. I like this one. Wow. Okay. Well, it's going to be a problem. Okay. <laughs> we'll get to that here in a second. Three, two, one. Le- Lisa McCarthy. <laughs> Lisa James. Lisa Lampanelli. <laughs> Lisa L- Lampshade. Uh, Lisa Harvey. No. Lisa Lori. Uh, I'm not going to keep you buzzing until you get serious uh, with me. I'd, I'd, Lisa Michaels? No. She's Asian. She's Asian. Uh, you don't know that voice. Oh, dude. Uh, Lisa Ling. Thank you. God almighty. <laughs> what is she famous for? What does she do? <laughs> She's an investigative reporter. I'll give you that. Yeah, she's just a reporter, broadcaster. Okay, I'll give you 548 points if you can tell me what her first gig was. Channel One News. Wow, nicely done. 548. <laughs> oh, it's going to take me a minute to do all these little sticks. 548, yeah. Did you have Channel One? Yeah, okay. yeah, we watched it, and it was like first period or something. Brandon, did you have electricity? <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you have Channel One? Yeah, but I don't. I don't think I've ever watched Channel One. No, 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 no. Channel One in school, it was a thing. Oh no, uh-oh. we did like the top ten CNN or whatever. The quick facts. Oh, okay. So when TVs first came into the 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 the, the schoolroom, in a classroom, they had this thing called Channel One, and every morning you would watch Lisa Ling. And do you remember her her partner? I'm almost <sighs> positive I'm right on this. Was it Anderson Anderson Cooper? No, No. he would have been too old. No, 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 no. No. Are they relevant today? No, I don't think so. Oh, shit. I don't think so. I'm trying to see if I'm I'm right on this. I'm pretty sure I am. Mm. Mm. No, maybe I'm wrong. Oh, maybe I am wrong on this. Jesus, hold on. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, no, I'm right. Bam, nailed it. Is it a guy or a girl? Guy. Hmm. He was a reporter as well. Yeah, I don't. He's he's not highlighted on Wikipedia, so I don't know what happened to the guy. Uh, Justin Gunn was his name. I remember it was Justin Gunn and and Lisa Ling. Oh yeah, that does sound familiar. Yeah, he was a good looking guy. Um, don't know where his career went. They had a lot of people. I didn't realize how many people because, you know, it went for a minute, but it was like your your news source in the morning. Channel Channel One, Lisa Ling. Now she's huge. You know, I think she's got a sister that's also a journalist as well. But she does like a lot of this stuff for National Geographic. She sits down and, I mean, she's your, you know, your your normal, um, I mean, okay, interview person. So we should get Justin Gunn on. God, that'd be kind of fun. I don't know if this is the same guy or not. If that's the same guy, he's not aged well at all. Uh, 
like a movie star. Yeah. So anyway, Channel One. That's when we found. I learned about universal remote controls because we would bring in a remote control and turn the TV on randomly during class. Um, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, we got. <laughs> I had a watch that did that. Yeah, we we weren't that. We're, we're still going back to the late the late eighties, early nineties. But universal remotes. We just, we had this teacher, Miss Scaffa, that was nuts, absolutely crazy. She looked like Ursula the Sea Witch. She was nuts, uh, and we would some we'd make noises in the class. Like I'd go, and she's like, she turn around and go, who? What was that? What 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 was that? Miss Scaffa, I think the desk is making noises again, and it's broken. Put it into the desk graveyard, and we had a pile in the room where we just would stack desks because they were broken, because they were like m- making noises. I mean, that's how I, I, I kid you not. That's how crazy she was. I saw this. There was a football player. This guy, Pat Cooper, got in a fight with this other kid, and she came up. By, and Pat was a big guy, you know, for a senior high school kid. He was a big. We were about the same size, but he was. He was like big country strong guy. She comes up behind him and puts him in a full Nelson, lifts him up off the ground and throws him up against the chalkboard. <laughs> I was like, never seen. I was like, holy shit, right? She was nuts. And then when we used to turn the television on, she would turn her, she would go over to the TV. She'd look behind it. She like, it was possessed. Like there was something inside that was making it do this crazy woman. Crazy. Absolutely crazy woman. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, all right. So, uh, oh, I got my winner, right? I got to do my winner. Let's see. Here. Yeah. Uh, well, I got a tie with the last two. So you guys got to pick the best one out of the last two. Uh, I like the second one. Singing one. Okay. The singing one. That's what you get. Lisa Loeb, right? Yeah. Here. Yeah. You say. I only Fuck. What I want to. Fuck. All the time. So. What's the next line, Nate? Oh, he's frozen again. Brandon, what's the next line? And then you say, I no. love you. And I thought what I thought was simple. And I thought that I don't belong. And I thought that. That was the next line. I love that song. I, she was beautiful. She's really beautiful. She's aged really, really well. She did a photo shoot not that long ago, and she was in a G-string, and she looked great. Like, I don't know what happened to her. She was a one-hit wonder, um, but she, like, those cat glasses, she made that a thing, mm-hmm. and she was beautiful. Like, she was kind of like girl next door, but sexy. Yeah, she would have been great in one of those, like, 90s movies where they're they're ugly and, the like, the high school jock dates them and then all of a sudden they're they're beautiful at the end of the movie and they go to prom together and they hit it off. Well, <laughs> she looks like the girl and she's all that, right? You know? Oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Very similar, you know, with Freddie Prince Jr. Anyway, podcastthebs.com. That is our website, Premium 2 Percenters. Got some bonus content coming for you because that's what we do for you guys because you subscribe and we appreciate that uh if you're curious on whatever it is that you do for a living if it's on the list of the most or least trusted profession you'll have to be a premium two percenter and uh, keep listening to find out if people trust you or not Uh, other than that uh, you can subscribe on our website get all the benefits of being a p2p'er 
Plus, uh, our merchandise is on the website. Uh, the top three playlists are on the website. If you'd like to be a sponsor, there's a fill-out form on the website. If you've got a question for Mad Dog Manny Aurora, there's a fill-out form on the website, making it all easy for you, podcastthebs.com. Very simple stuff. Nate, you got anything before we get out? Happy Friday, fuckers. There you go. Brandon? Call the doctor if it's itchy. All right. Now, Nikki's not here for the segment, but uh, Brandon, you be Nikki and give her, give her a one-liner out. Man, I was just wanting to say I love y'all, and that was her throat noise. <laughs> <laughs> All right, look, have yourself a great, safe weekend. You're going to be doing some drinking. I understand. I get it. Uh, if you had too much, please don't get behind the wheel of a car. I've lost way too many friends like that. Always thanks for the support, and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, bye. Get off my lawn. It's old man Kevin, and the BS is done for right now. Please share, like, and support podcastbs.com. It's better than radio. Now, get out of here.